0: Welcome to Love, Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. How are you guys? Um, are you guys as ecstatic as I am? Because I am freaking the fuck out, and let me tell you why. This is the debut premiere episode of Love, Alexi. All right? Uh, that means a lot to me. I don't think it should mean anything to you, but let me explain. Let me, So let me give you a little bit of backstory on me, just in case you're like, who the fuck is this girl talking at me? What is this podcast I've stumbled upon in the deep vortex that is the interweb? Well, thank you for asking, and uh, let me tell you. Uh, so, I have a blog. All right, let's call a spade a spade. I have a blog. It's called i'mboycrazy.com. dot com. I've been doing it for many years, uh, where I write very honest. Some people think they're they're funny uh, essays about uh, love, sex, dating, relationships, coming of age stories. And uh, I I started getting interview. I started getting uh, emails from people from all around the world asking for advice from me. And uh, I was so flattered. I guess it's because they thought they knew me because I was so honest in my blog. They felt like uh, I understood them. They felt less alone because of what I had written. So I thought, this is great. I love giving advice. But how do I answer all these questions in a smart fashion? So I started... An advice hotline podcast called Boy Crazy Radio, and uh, I did that for many years, and it was super fun. But the sound quality was shit, and it was uh, it was culty and cool, kind of like that movie Pump Up the Volume. I don't know if you guys have seen that with Christian Slater, and he's topless. It's it's amazing. Uh, but all the while, while I was doing Boy Crazy Radio, I would say I would even make bold declarations on the podcast and say, "Oh." God, I just want, I I want to be on the Nerdist Network. If if my dream could come true, I would love to be on the Nerdist Network. And by the grace of the hand of uh, the comedy god that is Chris Hardwick and everybody at Nerdist, my wish was granted. And it's 2016 and I have this new brand spanking new podcast on the Nerdist Network and it feels exhilarating. But here's the thing. Uh, things are a little bit different. And I invite you to uh, hold my hand as I walk through this new terrain because when I did Boy Crazy Radio, I would broadcast from the privacy of my own apartment. I would have guests on and interview them, but never in person. I would do it, uh, I would patch them in through, you know, I would patch them in via phone, phone calls. We would answer questions uh, through callers over the internet on my computer. And now... I'm I'm in a studio, I'm in a proper studio. I have a I have a producer. It's crazy. His name is Aristotle. He's 23. He's Super cool. I only want him to like me. It's uh, it's my fault. I'm a people pleaser. I've got you know I've, I've got to deal with my insecurities. That's a whole other sob story. We'll get to in, in future podcasts. But you know, and I'm going to be interviewing my guests face to face, IRL. This is terrifying stuff. But uh, these are non-problems. But I just want to say that I'm going to have to rise to the occasion because I want to entertain you guys and, uh, you know, and ground myself and meditate and do all the things you're supposed to do in 2016. Anyway, all that aside, to make a longer story longer, I'm very excited to say that my first guest of On Love, Alexi is Ileana Douglas. She's an actress. She's a writer. She's a director. She's a comedian. She's a multi-hyphenate. Like we all should be. It's the future, all right? Uh, you've seen her in uh, in many movies, such as Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Alive, To Die For, Ghost World, just to name a few. I'm only scratching the surface. And now, now Ileana has written a book, a goddamn book, and it's called I Blame Dennis Hopper and Other Stories from a Life Lived in and Out of the Movies. And, uh, you know, We just, we talk. We talk about a lot of things uh, during our conversation. We talk about her 10-year relationship with Martin Scorsese. Scorsese? Maybe we even get to the bottom of how to pronounce his name. Uh, We talk about a lot of stuff. You know, like uh, she has all these amazing anecdotes about uh, her time with Marlon Brando and Mike Nichols and just like all this, uh, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, It's very cool. Experiences I will never have but was happy to listen to. And um, here's what I'm saying. Listen. If you like what you hear on Love, Alexi, maybe subscribe on iTunes. Perhaps tell your friends about it, you know? Maybe we can even take our new friendship to a new level of intensity and be friends on, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, at Alexi Wasser. That's all I'm suggesting. Uh, and I want to throw this out there. You can call and leave a voicemail message For Love Alexi, for me and everything that is Love Alexi, uh, I want you to save this number in your smartphone, 707-892-0440. All right? If you have a question, a comment, a life dilemma, a conundrum, whatever it is you're going through, turmoil or what have you, uh, dating, whatever happens to all of us, if you're having a shame spiral because you did something stupid at a party last weekend, I don't know, leave a message. Who knows who my guest will be when we play that message on the show? Maybe we'll even call you back. Just something to look forward to. But listen, I have talked enough. I've gone on for an eon. Here's the point. I'm going to shut the fuck up. And uh, let's get to my conversation with Ileana Douglas. Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh, my goodness. We are so lucky. This is very exciting. Uh, you, whoever you are out there, are tuned into. to the debut premiere episode of Love, Alexi, hosted by me. My name is Alexi Wasser. Now, just to quickly explain what Love, Alexi is and will hopefully be, uh, it is a podcast, obviously, on the cool, super cool Nerdist Network where I interview artists, interesting people who inspire me about who they are, how they got to where they are, and, uh, you know, just uh, getting deep. Hopefully, I want Love, Alexi to be a loneliness eliminator for people. I want people to tune in and be able to relate and for us to get super-duper real and raw about feelings and life and what it all means and insecurities and all this stuff. So when people listen, it's like, you know, they're listening to some real shit. Listen! Let's get back on track here. Um, I'm very excited and lucky because my first guest on Love, Alexi, ever is the very talented, special Ileana Douglas. She is an actress, a comedian... Uh, a writer she just came out with her this is your first book it's my
1: first book this is your
0: first book she's Mm -hmm. uh right now she's she i'm I'm looking at her book right now it's called i blame dennis hopper and other stories from a life lived in and out of the movies um and you may know her from uh, such movies as goodfellas cape fear art school confidential to die for everything i am like your number one fan this is crazy it's kind of and i feel like we look like we're related we do don't you think?
1: Uh, absolutely. Is that why we you're get, here? <laughs> we get that. I'm your Bill. I, I'm I'm your Bill Murray. I'm you're your, my Bill every, Murray. Every every time you move, I'll have to always be your first guest, like Letterman with Bill Murray.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. All right. I, I or your last guest you or my. Your...
0: You might just be my first and last guest. This is already going to <laughs> shit. This is already spiraling into a train wreck. No, it's now, great. I already
1: feel very raw. I,
0: I know. I feel so raw too. I feel insecure. I was actually. I'm having an emotional spiral, but I'm trying to really? keep it at bay. Um, how are you feeling?
1: I feel fantastic. Do I'm, you? Oh, my God. It's, it's not a competition, but you no, win. No, I feel great. It's. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. Are you? Yeah, it's new. <laughs> it's brand new. <laughs> I'm thrilled for you. You're <laughs> in the Nerdist Network, and it's huge. Why is this
0: huge? How it's is like everybody huge, doing out there?
1: <laughs> it's like a huge, big deal. How, um, how did we meet? I don't know. How did we meet? Okay. Do we meet in a movie, or do we meet through a comedy club? Or- I... Well, thank you for not remembering. First off, get out. I can't do this. I just can't. I won't.
0: Um, you... Okay. I'm not saying I'm your stalker. Uh-huh. But many years ago... Well, we've been in two movies together. We've been in two shitty movies together, right? Yeah. Uh, do
1: I say what they're called? Well, I remember the second oh, one. Oh, God. It was I The second one was called Return to Sender. Return to Sender. I, I actually, don't know if it's a shitty movie because I haven't
0: seen it. I just watched the first, like... 7 minutes on uh-huh. Netflix available now on Netflix. Uh-huh. Um depending on when you're listening to this, we are recording in December of 2015. Uh that's neither here nor there, but I watched the first 7 minutes and I was great. Uh, I saw my first scene. It was Oh actually I saw you too. They put you in a really weird wig. Yes. I yeah, I, which I didn't understand. I totally did not understand it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't either. <laughs> you were you were in a wacky weird unnecessary wig. Yeah. You were you're amazing. Um
1: you know well, the, the reason it was weird was that there was no mention of why <laughs> I'm in a wig. So it's like, I guess Ileana Douglas just demanded <laughs> to be in a crazy wig. You know, that's you're left out there yeah. so open. Uh, no, I didn't want to be in a wig. I don't know. And then they had a wig for me. And then just as my own personal joke, I asked them to cut the wig uh, like Jane Fonda. No, and, you did not. Do- why did you do that? So I would at least have one jo- joke that we're talking about right now. Just
0: your hair? Just your hair is the joke in the scene? Well, because Amazing. if
1: they were gonna make me wear an unnecessary wig and not explain it to the audience, yeah. I may as well at least have my own private joke. Yeah, that I'm wearing. You know that I that I that I was attempting to look like Jane Fonda and Clute.
0: And now, not so private. Now that it's just blasted here on the Nerdist Network. Yes, wow. um, I. Okay, we were, I feel like we're always in like Holly Wiersma movies. Uh, she's a this powerhouse producer woman who will just like throw Ileana Douglas and me for whatever reason into, mm. into movies. Because we're hip. Because we're hip, we're, we're, hip, hip. we're cool, we're hip. we look kind of related. She never actually puts us in parts where we're playing <laughs> related people. But um, so I, I, you and I were in a movie called Factory Girl. Yes, Factory Girl. Uh, Factory Girl directed by, maybe written and directed by the late George Hickenlooper. Yes. Um, and he also directed Mirror the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? No. Okay. I didn't. Who cares? Nobody I, cares. I didn't. But uh, well I didn't. my father had a lot of photos in that. Oh in that, and I just love that time in the sixties and uh-huh. whatever. Um so that was so you were in that movie. Yes. And I don't I don't think this I ever, was
1: uh, Sienna Miller and Guy Pierce.
0: Sienna Miller, Guy Pierce, and
1: I think Oh, was, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. I had his scene with Jimmy Fallon. Oh you did? Mm-hmm. The done... sex scene? No. What did you do with Jimmy Fallon? I wish. I I forgot what he was playing. Uh I was playing Diana Vreeland. Yeah. Um, my part got very, very cut down, yeah, as I well mine recall. too i
0: was I played mary kate Mary kate Olsen's sister, yeah, we just got
1: cut out. I don't know what happened but go on yeah, it was a, again a somewhat problematic uh <laughs> film as as I recall yeah uh but uh I did enjoy working with Sienna Miller and Jimmy Fallon, yeah, I thought that they were and oh and guy Pierce guy Pierce i wonderful guy Pierce um. There were some
0: great parties, I remember. Did you that. go to the parties? Because I, mean, yeah, I remember having a good time and everybody kind of
1: doing drugs, and I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't doing drugs. We were I not don't, doing I don't drugs. Do, well, I don't do drugs. I don't do drugs either. You have no... Me neither. No, no desire. Interest. And, you know,
0: Another way we're like soulmates. Yeah. I love us. I don't need great. to do drugs. I, I feel like my brain is too fucked up enough. I'm Me kinda, too. I'm kind of thinking about doing mushrooms because I feel like... I feel like everywhere I go, Mm -hmm. I feel like Aristotle, our producer, our hot babe, 23-year-old indie rock alternative producer, uh, has probably done mushrooms and would advise me to do them. He says no. He's shaking his head no. (laughs) But I feel like everywhere I turn, I'm so neurotic, and I I feel like you are similar. You Mm -hmm. have a lot of voices in your head telling telling you God knows what. And I do too, and it's another way I feel uh, like we're kindred spirits. And because of the way I operate in life, people are always – telling me I should do mushrooms, that they would help me so much. And I'm like, fuck you. Get away from me. Yeah. But I feel like if one more person tells me to and they're really attractive, I may just do mushrooms. Interesting. If they're cool. If
1: I look up to this person. I don't know. Maybe. You got to be very careful. Why? <clears throat> because I've, you know, the, I hate to sound like, you know. Oh, uh, voice of reason here, Debbie Downer. But um, yeah, I'm very anti-drugs. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, cocaine causes brain damage. It does. Yeah, I'm not for cocaine. Um, and so, because the the whole the point of cocaine is that it it re- increases your dopamine levels, and so wh- that what that's called that chasing the high is the, um you're you're depleting all of your dopamine, and sadly apparently, this is what I've read, yeah. you're only given a certain amount of dopamine. Oh, really? Yeah. In your, and so once you deplete it, you, you're you in a serious, uh, irreversible depression.
0: Oh, my God. That's crazy because yeah. two men I've dated, one the first one has done so much ecstasy, which mm. does a similar thing where it depletes you of dopamine, and he is completely depressed, had to be on yeah. an antidepressants, now self-medicates with marijuana. Another guy has a history of doing so much cocaine that now he's also on antidepressants because he's so depressed. So it's all you know. What I'm yeah, saying is you're not wrong.
1: Yeah. So it's the, the 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 after effects for maybe for some people. Some may, listen. There might be some people there and and they can do it or whatever. But for people, I think artists who have a sensitive chemistry, makeup, anyway, you know, you really don't want to damage your brain because yeah. it's, it's the two, your reasoning. I it's mean, your that's reasoning you're...
0: and you're already damaged enough. If you're already willing to go into showbiz, probably. Yeah, probably. But we'll talk about that
1: because it has to do with your book and, yeah. and living your life. And I watched people as a, I write in the one of the chapters. I, You know, I grew up in a kind of a commune. So I understand. Um,
0: Eliana's phone just went off. Sorry. She hasn't silenced it. She put it on vibrate, which is all we can really ask for,
1: which is all we can (laughs) ask. I'm I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting it down.
0: Um, Would you do this on Howard Stern? Wouldn't you silence your phone on Howard Stern? I'm not comparing myself.
1: Well, if it's, it's, you know, sometimes an important call. This is show business. Oh, Show business
0: waits for no one. (laughs) It's true.
1: Got to bring the phone in.
0: Got to bring the phone in. Okay. So getting back to how we know each other. Yes. You will not remember this, but 10 years ago. Okay. I don't want to tell you who you are and what you'll remember. Who am I? Eliana, goddamn Douglas. Okay. okay, so ten years ago, for whatever reason, I was at a gifting suite, like an Emmy's gifting oh, suite. Okay, and I ran into you, and Eliana's uh, texting. You can't see her; she's she's no, totally t- tuned out. She's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of it at once. I don't know how she does it. I anyway, was
1: turning off my phone <laughs> discreetly, discreetly, <laughs> and Jesus. freely. Um, okay. <clears throat> cut that part out. There
0: no. <laughs> It's so boring. <laughs> okay. Okay, go ahead. So I met you ten years ago at an Emmy's gifting suite. Yes. And I don't know why I was there. You're probably there because you're like nominated for Six Feet Under, right? Possibly. Possibly. And uh and I just remember bumping into you, you turning to me, we started a conversation, and you were just like, you know, you should come to my we have music parties. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my god, that's and I totally knew who you were because I fell in love with you and was like a fan of yours from seeing To Die For. Uh-huh. I just remember Mm, not caring about Nicole Kidman and thinking who is this woman? This woman's amazing, you know, yeah. you from Ghost World and To Die For, and mm. and then all of a sudden you're inviting me to a music
1: party. That's well, that sounds that sounds very accurate because yeah. I have these, and and now you come to them, and
0: now I come to them. <laughs> yeah, now I'm part well, of your I life. love
1: I love music, and I love um, you know just having musicians over and. Uh, Having a nice social, you know, environment. I I just think it's great. Sitting around the piano and singing it's the best. Do you
0: date a lot of musicians? Have you dated a lot of musicians? Or do you tend to date what kind of guy?
1: I have not dated a uh, a lot of musicians. I've dated, like, directors. I haven't dated uh, actors. Yeah. Why not? I I don't know. I love actors, you know, and I love directing actors. Or, you know, when I did my series, I would write specifically for actors. But... um, you know, an actor has to be very selfish, and so you know they're thinking about their career ninety percent of the time. So, as a partner, yeah. they're maybe not the best partner. I, I don't think I, I tend to gravitate towards someone who is a a producer, director, some someone that's a little bit more of a of a you know of a partner.
0: Why is that?
1: I'm not sure. I just think that that's the you know fantasy of what I always uh, looked for. That that kind of you know. Uh, I guess kind of like you know John Cassavetes and Jenna Rollins, even though they are actors. But he specifically then really moved into directing. Yeah, and they had you know great co- collaboration. But I always I, those are usually my favorite kind of um, you know f- uh, Fellini and uh, Giulietta Massini, her his wife. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just I I always find that very attractive.
0: That's I interviewed Crispin Glover a long time ago for my website, and that's the kind of relationship he aspires to have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, with Gina, like he quoted, like Gina Rollins, Rollins, Rowlands? Rollins, Gina Rollins, Rollins, yeah. and uh, yeah, and John Cassavetes. So, have you found that you dated Martin Scorsese for ten years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a great,
1: you know. So yeah, that's
0: you found the thing. Definitely a great yeah.
1: uh, collaboration, and um, produced a couple films together. And uh,
0: which films?
1: Um, Grace of My Heart, which was a film I developed with Allison Anders, and then Search and Destroy, which stars uh, Dennis Hopper, which is how I later got to meet Dennis Hopper, um, and utilized a lot of the people that you know, Marty had worked with uh, from a film I really admire, kind of an underrated film of his called After Hours.
0: Oh, my God. I love this with movie. Roseanne
1: Arquette, yeah. Griffin Dunn, John Hurd, um, just a really interesting movie. And I was crazy obsessed with Griffin Dunn and Roseanne Arquette. Um, and so got them in the movie, got, got Marty in the movie. <clears throat> it was the only film of, the, of this painter named David Sally. He's a very interesting painter. He never made another film, but um, it was a great collaboration. Developed the script. It was based on a play that I I actually saw Griffin do the play. Oh, wow. And so that was one of the great things about – Um, that relationship was like, I saw that play and I said, I really want to develop this. I mean, I really, what I really wanted to do in addition to directing myself was to find projects on, you know, with ensemble casts, have Marty, you know, be the executive producer of them. They, you know, because he wasn't known really for doing women's films or producing women's films. And so he was really helpful in terms of, you know, uh, helping me get financing for some of these movies that I wanted to do, you know, and then Grace of My Heart. And we had a couple other projects too that never came to fruition. What are these secret projects? They never, the one was um, really a, a love, something I was obsessed with. It was a remake of a movie uh, called Bedlam, um, which is an old RKO movie, and it's an incredible story. Uh, but not told very well, like a B – it's told like a B movie. But basically in the old days – and, you know, this is something that happened to to Carrie Grant's mother. If you wanted to get rid of your wife, you just put her in an insane asylum.
0: Oh, isn't that what gaslighting is? Isn't that like what that term – where it's like – you just fuck with a woman's head and uh, well, until you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, sweetheart. You must be going crazy.
1: Well, there's right. there's certainly that, but yeah. there's also you know I mean again like sort of back in the day when women didn't have any power. I mean there's this very famous story about Cary Grant that. All of his life he thought his mother was, uh, was deceased, and oh my God he found out many years later that basically his father just had wanted to get remarried and so had his wife uh, declared you know insane and, and she, he found out very late in his life that his mother was alive and in an insane asylum.
0: Oh my God, how do you find out?
1: I'm not quite sure, but it's like one of these, you know, so it's kind of a heart-wrenching sort of story. But the story Bedlam is, again, about a woman who's a kept woman who decides she doesn't want to be a kept woman anymore. And so to retaliate, they have her imprisoned in an insane asylum. And so what happens is that in the insane asylum, she starts you know, she's been a bad, a fallen woman her entire life. And so now, imprisoned in this insane asylum, she starts actually uh, helping people for the first time. And so it's just Thanks. how she has this whole change of heart through being uh, imprisoned and. You and know, changes her life, it starts to have a relationship with this, you know, man who's in the, in the insane asylum. It's a very, very interesting kind of project.
0: And did you shoot any of it or didn't? couldn't get funding or what happened? Not even Martin Scorsese's, is the na- name attached. And by the way, you're only here so I could ever learn how to pronounce his name. It's Martin Scorsese? Scorsese. What? I've heard <coughs> you say Scor- Scorsese. Really? I'm completely confused. I thought, listen, today is the day I'm going to get to the bottom of the pronunciation of this guy's name. Because I always say it twice just to cover my ass, like Scorsese, Scorsese.
1: Yeah, it was... um, What is it? Scorsese. Scorsese? I believe. believe. You
0: believe?
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ.
0: What are we doing here?
1: (laughs) Who are we? Um... But anyway we I, I developed it, worked on the script, a lot of interesting people worked on it, John Sales, you know. Mm-hmm. And um there was a director I'd uh, chosen to work with, a woman, again, because I was seeking, really seeking out women. Yeah. This was um during Grace of My Heart and I was working with Allison Anderson who's another female director who I will not mention, but um But she sucks. She's mm, the worst. No, Just she, 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 Just she's saying she's kidding. She decided after me developing the script for a long time that she maybe wanted to do it with, with somebody Oh, my God. Did so, she do it with somebody else or just no, fell to shit? It fell apart. Oh, my God. So it's kind of a heartbreak. These things happen in yeah. Hollywood. I, I You know, I do everything kind of like – which I've learned now is not a good idea. But, uh, you know, I, I do everything on like – it, which is i think a problem that women have trusting um, people i trust i mean i was like i just was working on this thing i yeah. like i i saw her films i admired her i said we got to do something <laughs> together we worked on this thing and so it's like the script was completely done oh, i was my doing God. readings of it i was attracting talent cuz that was always my part of the picture that was so good because i'm out there and i'm i'm working with you know the matt Dillons or the john t and so Therefore, when we're doing these collaborations with the director, they've got, you know, we're all sort of in on it together. We're trying to, to form an ensemble. And so I was attracted – I had already attracted a couple, like, name, you know, actors to be in it and we were doing readings. And,
0: well, so what happened? Like, was there one moment where – I mean, what was the thing? Did you guys – what
1: happened where she went off rogue? She, she got me, sent me, you know, a, a letter. And but why? Was she, I don't know why. What it's an just, asshole. It was, uh, she, I think she felt that it was going to be a really big project. And she some, just wanted you out? Yeah, wanted someone more famous. Oh my God. Oh, because you were supposed to be the star of the movie. Yes, yes.
0: Ay, ay, ay. Well, so. this, well, this brings me to, okay, for, you do so many things. You're such a hustler. Can I call uh-huh. you that? I think that's a good thing. I I refer to myself as a hustler. I really? like, it's just because I feel like nowadays it doesn't mean like you're you're up to no good and you're trying to scam someone. Well, I think me. all
1: actors have to be very on these your, days have to be very entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah, it's like you have to be on your on your grind. That's mm-hmm. what my ex-boyfriend used to say. He's like, oh wow, you're on your grind, you're hustling. And I'm like, okay, whatever that means. And now <laughs> what I know it to mean is like, you know, you have a million different projects. Mm-hmm. You know, you you wrote this book, and again, we will talk about it more. We will yes. we'll we really get to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have you. You, you're an actress. You hosted that show. What's
1: the name of the show? Well, uh, I work for uh, TCM
0: Turner Classic Movies. Yes, I
1: work for Turner Classic Movies. I do hosting and interviews. What was the first show you did with them? Was after uh, Second
0: Looks. Second Looks, and then you hosted a series called Trailblazers. This is tra- still Trailblazing
1: Women tra- in tra- Film.
0: Trailblazing Women in Film, and uh, which we- goes back to everything we we're just talking about about how and how that's so important because I feel like, you know, we. We don't, women, we don't, you know, I make films and I'm, I'm constantly making things and I have nobody really to look up to. There are maybe about three or four women you can look, kind of look up to. So for you to have realized that this is something that we need to shine a light on so mm-hmm. women can go, oh, wow, I had no idea, you know? Yes. There are all these badass, amazing, powerful women who are doing things, but like we aren't aware of them. Exactly. And when women, I, I know for me in particular, it, I just feel like I'm, I compare myself to men. I feel like I'm not good enough. I have all these people-pleasing tendencies and it's mm-hmm. uh and so it's really important to go, "Oh, wait, there's there are all these other women kind of yeah, stepping to up to the plate." That. Yeah. It's
1: really it's really bad. It's
0: not healthy, but I mean, you know that a lot of people feel that way, so that's why trailblazing women well, is important. Well, I think show. that
1: when um, um, you know, when women start to talk about their accomplishments, they get immediately put down. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like, "Oh, they're being conceited" or Name dropping or something—it's like you know all these things that guys don't. All these labels or it, are assigned to to women immediately the minute they start talking about their accomplishments. That's what I find. Yeah, it, it's very hard to finesse uh, the ladder of success for women.
0: But do you feel that that like that crosses over into dating? Like if you date, absolutely. So if you're dating, like you you know. I have – I, I wonder – okay, I want to know what the difference is between dating a really powerful, successful man versus a nice guy who cares about you who is not as successful uh, but is just – loves you. I mean because I feel like whenever I date mm. more successful guys – I mean you tell me there's a lot of ego uh, and they can't handle – I don't know. They can't handle a woman who is doing so many things. Like is that is that ever a threat to –
1: successful powerful men you've you've dated or or in the business where it's like uh they don't appreciate It can definitely be an issue. I mean, <clears throat> obviously each, you know, man or woman is it's a different, you know, scenario, but I think that I, la- I you know, the, my friend uh this director John Frankenheimer used to say to me there can only be one star in the family. Oh, is and is that true? That's a true thing. So, but you know, and people you know, people say these things when you're younger and you kinda laugh. Yeah. And then as the, the years go on, you're you like, got to go, hmm it's kinda like when John Frank I guess it could only be one star in the family. I mean, but um, what
0: about Gina Rollins and uh, and John Cassavetes?
1: Well, yes, they had a very successful partnership. Yeah. So it does Obviously, you know, it does work. Um, Part of, you know, but possibly, because I don't know, you're talking about maybe, again, two people that are very secure in what they're doing. And they were also doing it together. See, they needed each other. You know, which is that 's that thing you know that we 're talking about, they worked on projects together, so it was a symbiotic thing if you 're you know dating someone who's a successful musician and they have their career and then you have your career that 's where it's i I think the scenario that I have seen or observed is that the girl simply becomes eye candy, yeah, and you can see this kind of you know frustration. I, uh, you know, of the, of the girl kind of stifling her own kind of dreams, uh, in the search for happiness, which, yeah. which I think is this challenge that we still have today. We just don't want to, you know, admit it as much.
0: Okay, yay. You know. Oh my God. So the, what's the answer? How do you, how are you, how do you, for all the girls listening, for all the nerdy nerd girls listening to Nerdist, me included, uh, who, because I, I had this whole conversation with my father yesterday. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen him in, two years. He's a monster. He's exhausting for whatever reason. I, uh-huh. I had to see him yesterday. And all he kept saying was, who are you dating? You got to date a mogul. Who are you dating? Some broke loser? You need to date a mogul. Why can't you just date a mogul? <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I said, but daddy, because I still call him daddy. Even uh-huh. though I'm in my thirties, but uh, yeah. it's just creepy. But uh I was like, you know, I've dated those guys. I'm not happy. They're They're not emotionally available or I've not met one that makes me ha- I I just want to be happy with somebody that I laugh with. So right. isn't that what's important? And he just kept going back to you got to date. You got to date a mogul. So I'm like what is the goddamn answer? I mean isn't isn't all that's important is you find
1: I think it's how I mean to me the th- the phrase that I always use is uh, cuz people, you know, I don't like to even tell people if I'm in a relationship because don't. I, don't, I don't want anybody else's chatter. Yeah. It's like, how do I feel when I'm with that person?
0: That is so important. Oh, and this is what I said to my father. I'm Not I went, how they look. not None of that. Anything. Yeah. How do
1: I feel? How do I feel when I'm with this person? Oh, do I feel secure? That's do I, a good point. Do I feel love? Do I feel like I'm being put on a pedestal? Oh, I like and, this. And if you don't feel those things you shouldn't be in the relationship that you know sense. i've done that before it's like obviously i think girls go through uh and they have an idea in their head <clears throat> of maybe the type of man they think they want to be with and, you know, when that doesn't work, then they go the other way, which I've certainly done too. I'm like, all right, well, that hasn't worked out. So I'm just going to date, you know, the ordinary guy. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I found that could be even worse. Now, why is that worse? Because you're like, hey, I lowered my standards. Oh, you better
0: for be you. nice to me, you <laughs> idiot loser. <laughs> and then,
1: you know, and then when the guy disappoints you, the, the guy you've lowered your standards for disappoints you. <laughs> you're like, oh, geez. There's no, you're <laughs> like, okay, now I'm totally worth that. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no chemical. Like, I thought I had this all figured out. So sometimes you, you know, and then I've gone through periods too where I'm just like, I don't, I'm literally not, you know, going to date. But the thing is, if you go to a party mm-hmm. and you walk around the party and people are not, if a guy does not chat you up, he's not interested in yeah. you. End of story. So you can't, and I found myself in that position, like trying to be, chat a guy up. Oh, yeah, like, get it going. No. Yeah, they're not interested. They're
0: not interested. Well, back to my 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 father, I, I told my dad, I just said, I want to be my own mogul. I want to be the one yeah. who I want to be grounded in myself. I have my own career going. I'm doing my own stuff. Get this weird because like, it's, it's true, I feel like women are you know, we're instilled we have this idea instilled in us where it's like, the man's gonna and even if I think I'm smarter than this idea, it's still deep down in me, and especially when I hear it again from my father about like the you have, date, you, know, you have to, you know, you have got to, got to get a good on paper guy. A man's going to save you. You need to feel, you know, you need to have a certain kind of person. And it's like, I just want to be happy. With, I just want to feel nice around somebody, and I want to, and I want to be my own mogul. I want mm-hmm. to be the own save, my own savior in my life. But it's such a weird thing because we're at such a weird time now in 2015 where it's like we have these old school standards of what you want in a relationship, mm-hmm. But then like it seems like men are morphing into women and women are oh, morphing totally. into men. It's just so, so completely confusing. Yeah. Men are
1: the new chicks.
0: Men are the new chicks. And it's like, so I kind of have to like, I don't know if you do this, but, uh, you know, I have to pick and choose what matters to me where it's like, uh, you know, I have these weird, I I just sound like a total asshole, but I still, I'm a career woman, but I still want the guy to pay for at least the first 10 years of
1: our relationship or the first like few dates. You know what I mean?
0: Like, well, meaning that you
1: want him to Put you on a pedestal. I
0: want. And I, want to, I want to feel safe with him. I want to know that, like, you know, I got my privates waxed. I got my nails done. I got my <laughs> hair did. You know, I did all my stuff. Can he at least pay for our ice
1: cream on our first date? You know what I mean? And well, of like, course. I mean, you go on a date with someone and they would don't pay for you? They it's
0: they it's do. Terrible. But I also get yelled at by my girlfriends because we're all – feminism is very in right now. I am a uh-huh. feminist. We're all – it's like this – I'm a neo-feminist where it's mm-hmm. like – uh it,
1: but so to I, me, a guy paying for your date has nothing to do with feminism. It's just, that, that's just is a gesture. That's just a, a caring gesture, but I th- think.
0: I think so, too. But it's crazy. Girls give
1: th- guys – like, I tend to be a big present giver. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like – I oh. call those blowjobs. I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Jesus>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, was thinking,
0: I was thinking of a nice crystal. Oh, cool. But, oh, you're into uh, that stuff. What's your astrological sign? Let me guess. Wait, I'm really good at this. You're a Scorpio. Sagittarius. Don't tell me. Libra. Gemini. Jeez. Oh, Any second. I'm great. I'm, I'm great at this. I'm Virgo. Re-
1: I've graded this. It's
0: Aquarius. Going. There's only. Wait, Sagittarius. Little. I got this. Libra. <laughs> Just fucking tell me. <laughs> I'm a Leo, but you were very close. I was so that's my next guess That's exactly. You like, were very, very close. Uh, that's so. What a Leo. But I've dated a lot of
1: Scorpios. I, mean, oh. I have a lot of Scorpio friends. Martin.
0: Martin Scorsese says he. Says he. Scorpio, Scorsese. yes, Whatever. he was a Scorpio. I can't do this.
1: Uh, Allison Anders, Scorpio. You guys dated? No,
0: but I can't. You heard it here first.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Major co- collaboration.
0: <laughs> major collab, which might be even more
1: intimate and beautiful than a relationship with a man. I think so. At least you have a movie to prove. You know, to m- make happen. Yes.
0: All right, so I, I botched the story of how we met. There, that's like that's taken an eon. I never got to finish it. You wrote a book. Oh. All right, here's yes. the deal. I'm looking at it. It's beautiful. One day I'll fully read it. I mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to finish that. <laughs> I'm waiting for the audio version because that's how I roll. Um, it's called I Blame Dennis Hopper and Other Stories from a Life Lived in and Out of the Movies. Why did you write this book? Tell us, you know, how this book came to be and why you felt the need to write it.
1: Well, um, for years, just being in the movies, you know, people would always say to me, oh, when are you going you to write a book?
0: Do people say that to you? Like, I mean, listen to this podcast. No. No. Well. <laughs> I mean, I'll write, always, I'll write my book. Yeah, People
1: always say, oh, you're so funny. you got to write, yeah. write a book. you got to write a I book. you got to write a book. I
0: actually and, have heard that. I just didn't want to like, you know, this yeah. is about you.
1: Go. Uh, but um, – and so – because I found myself in a lot of, you know, crazy situations, things like that. But I never had – I never really knew what the through line was going to be. And then um, when I started doing my own writing for this tele- – did a pilot self autobiographical pilot called Ileana Rama. There was a whole theme in it where, you know, I was like I'm saying like I live my life as if it's a movie, as if it's a French film yeah. in, in the 1950s. I love and, it. And uh, you know the only problem is when I when life when real life juts up against the movie <laughs> yeah. and the soundtrack that's going on in my head. Um and so I had that as a kind of a backdrop. And then I had this experience where I met a director who I really admired named Mike Nichols. Oh, my God. I love and him. He's an incredible director. Yeah. And he was screening The Graduate. And I went to see it with another director. And I brought this comedy album that he had done, a Nichols and May album, which I listened to so many times when I was a kid. And I wanted to get him to sign it. And we were standing in line after the, you know, the screening to meet him. And the director looked at me and said – Only you could get away with that. I'm like, what? I want him to sign my album. May never meet him again, you know? And so I handed over my album for him, and that's all I wanted. I just wanted Mike Nichols to sign my album. You know, I didn't even – I was like, I'm not going to ask him a question or anything. And he really surprised me, looked up at me, recognized me, and he said, you. You know what I like about you? You're both in the movie and you're outside in the movie in the audience commenting to us. You managed to be both in the movie and out of the movie at the same time. And I was so struck at how profound that was because I thought not only did it describe all of my acting, which I wasn't aware of that Mm -hmm. until he said it, but I thought it also described my life, which was sometimes I'm in the movie and sometimes I'm just observing the movie going, wow, I have... No idea what's going to happen yeah. next because I've never made a decision. I rarely make decisions. Life makes decisions for me, and um, and that became the through line of the book, starting with my childhood, which was that my parents saw the movie Easy Rider and were profoundly affected by it and by the message I believe of Dennis Hopper in the movie about you know freedom and they they chose to you know bring us up as hippies anti-establishment and i just thought that you know the book is going to be about how movies tell a story and my movies have told the story of of my life absolutely yeah. each chapter you know so there's the easy rider childhood then there's the <clears throat> grand you know grandfather bringing me on movie sets which was like observing a movie in Peter Sellers. Then there's the relationship with Martin Scorsese, which was again, like, um, I'm entering now a Martin Scorsese movie. So everything I, I related to in my life, there's the turning 30 and doing a woman's picture with Alison Anders, which had been my dream. Like my dream was really – because I grew up around – you know, I had brothers. All my cousins were, were boys. I grew up around men and I so much wanted to have a collaboration with a woman. Oh, and great. so I really sought out Alison Anders and, and had that experience. So that was a movie. So everything seemed like these little movies where I was learning a lesson uh, – through being in the movies, you know, and and being an observer sometimes of my own life of just going I can't seem to get a hold on this. Yeah. And me just observing myself in this movie and somehow again not not feeling as if I had the control to get out of it.
0: When you got your comedy album signed by Mike Nichols? Yes. What how, what did he see you in you and what how far along in your acting career?
1: He never were you? Met, he never see. He, he said never it, this was like you this just was knew. This was a long time after, I mean, this was around 2001. Oh, oh my God. Okay. So, you know, I, and then he furthermore, which I write about, he suggested, he asked me, he said, have you ever read De Tocqueville? It was like, I wrong, did
0: read that. Yeah, I read this. Know, yeah. And
1: I was like, no, I have not read De Tocqueville. And he was like signing it. He's telling you he what said, to read. You should read it, you know, like a, again, like a doctor. Yeah. He said, What about, you know, the uh, book of Speak Memory? Have you ever heard? And I said, No. And he said, Gee, it's, a, it's a good book. You should read it. And then he, Augustine Burroughs was another writer. And he said, Give me a drop me a line after you read the book. So I'll be curious to see what you think. And it, it was like I walked away and I was stunned. I was just thought, once yeah. again, like, what does he see in me? That I can't see in myself. And again, it was that reminder, you know, of like, I guess, you know, I got to go back to writing. I got, you know, so all along the way, I've had these sort of movie gods that I've met. Roddy McDowell, who said, you know, early on in my career, you're going to meet a lot of interesting people and I'm one of them. Yeah. You know, and like, what if he hadn't said that? It was because he said it. Do you know what I mean? Your friends always say, I had friends who said, you got to keep a journal. But when these gods tell you
0: something, you're like, exactly. oh my God, this kernel of, of, of you know, this bit of wisdom I've got to put in my pocket like a jewel. This is exactly. so special. Well, that's how I feel about meeting you. This is, I mean, you know, it's like such a nice thing to sit down with you. It means something to me. But, and I want to ask you, mm-hmm. because of all that, and I mean, it was just interesting to read that because I identify with that where it's like, uh, do you feel... Do you struggle with insecurity? Is it a thing of like thinking you're invisible or thinking that like you're amazed when people see you? You know what I mean? It seems like when Mike Nichols tells you this special thing, is it – correct me if I'm wrong. But is it because – was it so amazing? It's amazing for a million reasons. But is it really special because you feel like, oh, I'm being seen by this person that I put on a pedestal. I'm being – like you're both a fan and you're – a very successful actress. You know what I mean? Like,
1: I don't know if it's a combination of not uh, being insecure and then also not having, um, I don't know, not having a proper ego, not having a proper sense of what I've done or accomplished. And people will remind me of that. You know, I was doing an interview for the book mm-hmm. and I was talking about all these great people. And, you know, and he's like, But you're in the movie too. Yeah. And I said, You're in the movie. I go, Oh. Oh yeah, I always forget that part. I go, but for me, I said, no, for me, I'm in the movie, but I'm, my recollection is not of myself. And oh, I did that great scene. I'm thinking, oh God, that was. I got. I remember meeting Matt Dillon and what that was like, and Buck Henry, and I'm um, my my focus and my remembrance is so much more about the people that I've met than my own. You know my own sort of acting thing, or what I did, or what I accomplished. Because you're
0: looking out, you're observing. That's why you're a writer. At your core, do you identify as a writer or an actress? I
1: I I think that as a write about I've always been an observer. You know, when my when my parents had this commune and this easy rider, you know, and all the hippies were there. Naked
0: commune? Was it naked?
1: Uh there was there was definitely some uh, naked hippies okay. swimming and cool. and great. some free love. Create that visual. Okay, great. <laughs> Go on. But um yeah, I was observing this because they went from you know, everybody else's kids had parents. Like they went to work and they had dolls and they it was very normal. You know, my Uh, childhood was people, you know, dancing to, you know, to music and hippies and and group therapy and all this like kookiness. And there was no room for me to be a child in Uh, that. So I just observed, I became an observer and developed a very strong identity, I guess, for myself, but that felt separate because they were the stars of their movie. So are
0: you like a child of narcissists, Would you think?
1: I don't. I mean, oh, I, let's I don't, leave them out of it. We'll leave your yeah. parents out of
0: this. Okay, I'm just asking because I, yeah. But uh, I wonder if that was a defense mechanism, where not to psychoanalyze you, but or just because I have friends who are like this. I'm like this, where it's like you just you're kind of holed up in yourself, and you're just looking at, you're observing, and take it's. It's amazing that you don't have a, you know, it's, and a crazy inflated. Ego, and you're a, like an actress monster. You know what I mean when you say that if you're dating an actor, can be difficult because yes, well people they have to be very selfish, and you are more even though you're an amazing actress, you've been in every movie, uh, yeah. But you're at your
1: core like well, I think again writer. because all of my initial experiences of being on a film set were observing my grandfather. Oh, okay, see, so I was like 14. I wanted to be an actor, and you know, but then when I went to a film set. And I kind of saw, like, oh, people make a film. And then I was placed next to the director. And then he was having all these secret conversations. And the actors were very the light. And he was in the dark. And I was sitting next to him. And that felt very special, too. That felt like, oh, I can control... But uh, you know, so there is something about that. I feel that with directing, there's a sense of control that you don't have with an actor. Oh, like being God, an actor yeah. is very at everybody emotional. else's
0: mercy you're you're like waiting for a job, you're hoping yeah. to get chosen blah, blah, blah all this stuff you're very it's
1: vulnerable very-
0: vul- yeah that's, I think this is why I, I like dating I like dating directors because I like men who are in control and and, and power. it's like a sexy thing yeah, but so do you would you say? I mean, when, okay. So you've met all these amazing people. There's a chapter mm-hmm. in the book where you where you met uh, Marlon Brando. Yes, that's an amazing chapter where you. I mean, I don't want to spoil it from people for people. Yes. Spoiler alert: you uh, you hope to get an autograph from him. Yes, uh, you, you've always had an autograph book, which is so bizarre. You're dating Martin Martin Scorsese yes. for whatever reason. The autograph book was left behind at like a like an Oscar party or something well, was, fa- fancy, no, and was, fabulous.
1: It was like again the juxtaposition of our. Lives it's crazy. at the time I was doing like a low budget independent movie and called he, Wedding Bell Blues. Oh my god, and uh, and then your
0: boyfriend was he was winning
1: a humanitarian <laughs> award, he was wearing, winning like the John Huston Humanitarian Award, and
0: yet he still cared about your autograph book that was somehow yeah, yeah, be, left somewhere.
1: Well, because we had gone to this, you know, I was he came out to LA and was staying at the Beverly Wilshire, I was out here working at this on this low budget. Uh, film, yeah, and so I moved into his fancy digs at the Beverly Wilshire. Love so it. It was Sexy. kind of like you know living out of a suitcase a little bit, and things were a little confused and not having a, n- enough sleep of so, working on the film. And we went to this um, event, and I guess in the process of them hu- kind of hustling them him out of there, I left my your autograph, autograph book. Autograph it's book. just
0: crazy to me that you are an, like a, a big Hollywood actress dating yes. Martin Scorsese. Or whatever his name is, yes. and uh, <laughs> and you have an autograph book. I mean, like you know, I've got, I've got, I've got this podcast, nothing else, and even I don't have a, an autograph book. It's just fu- it's just funny. You're so, it's you're such a fan of films and people and interest. You know what I mean? That you had an autograph book. It's just,
1: I just always know. felt it was a sense of of importance to remember what was happening. And here, the thing is. You know, how many times did I write my book that I was referring to my journal and going, oh my God, it was March 1993? I mean, you have, there is something incredible to look back. At your life was it
0: a journal or was it an autograph? So
1: it was all it was one a, thing. sort of a combination. Combo,
0: okay. Now it's we dealing yeah. with a combo platter because okay, this is different. If you're like remembering, you're recording all your stuff and then collecting. That's oh, that's now I get it. Yeah, and thank so, God for that. So then that
1: created the book. It was mainly you know not my personal life. It was mainly I would write what was happening on set. Yeah, you know we did this this scene today and what it was like and you know whether you know what was what was going on and and but yes, I'd get everybody that was involved. Uh, In the film to sign it and jot some words down and, you know, became like incredibly important to me having a little. Do you still have it? That one I lost. Oh, God damn it. That was the one I lost. I I had a poem from Sean Penn.
0: Oh my God! Did you have an affair with Sean Penn? No. I want no. some. I want some exclusive stories here. We got to push this podcast. I no, Who did you have an affair with? That I need to know about. That we have.
1: No, I was in a relationship, so I didn't have. I never had uh, affairs with no, anybody. Uh, maybe, I hope is that guy in the beanie out there on the cell phone bothering
0: you.
1: <laughs> a very high. attractive look.
0: Highbrow establishment. This is great. We got dudes and beanies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that somebody you'd want to date? No, I'm seeing Why somebody. I'm men... trying to ruin it.
1: And that's a man. I'm gonna describe is he in his forties? He's in his mid forties. I think he's in his mid forties, right? He's wearing uh, sort he's got, of sweatpants shorts, white socks, great calves, sneakers, great calves. A beard, glasses. He's <laughs> he, he looks like, you know, my my like my retarded my retarded child, really. you Do you
0: like have a have retarded a, child we don't no. know about? Is that the exclusive?
1: But guys these days, like this attempt, they they want to dress like their fifteen year old writer boys yeah. with their hoodies and you know it's not an attractive look. It's
0: not, but not, but our Aristotle, our twenty three year old uh, producer, he's cute, right?
1: He's very cute, very handsome. Yeah,
0: don't you think he should shave his beard though to show how youthful he is? He's just trying to make himself look older. Why try mm. that? It's going to happen.
1: Beards are very in right now. Are they? I, yeah, I don't, I don't like, like it. There.
0: I mean, I like Aristotle. That's none of my business, but...
1: Uh, Are you going to have an affair with Aristotle? I don't.
0: I can't. So he has cool. a girlfriend. They're oh. going to go see Star Wars later, which I think mean, that that's sounds very, fun. Yeah, that's that romantic. That sounds very cute. <laughs> um, oh, God. What did I want to ask you? Oh, wait. So yes. here's what I struggle with. How did yeah. you feel... I mean, not to keep bringing it back to me, but it's my yep. podcast. No. Um, how did you... Do you struggle with insecurity a little bit? Do you have some kind of Absolutely. weird... Absolutely. No, of course. So how did you... Dating somebody like, and I'll I'll stop talking about your relationship with Martin Scorsese in a yes. minute. But like, just about how did you feel like you're enough? If you struggle with insecurity, or you, you know, felt like you're on the outside looking in sometimes, like you know, mm-hmm. in the movies and out of the movies, did you ever? Did that ever? crossover into your personal life where you felt like oh my well, god I'm, I'm meeting Marlon Brando I'm not enough is this okay he's doing the, my yes. boyfriend's doing these fancy things and then and I'm working on the the low budget thing while he's yes. getting like how well, did of you... course
1: that's what I sort of you know write about so in, so in the you... chapter well is... tell
0: me how you deal with it
1: well that was again that was like this interesting thing of of being forced into a position I, d- I didn't want to meet Marlon Brando I was like I can't meet Marlon Brando I mean I had a poster of the you know like guys I think, the you know, the world's greatest actor. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't want to meet him. I, I, what can I offer to Marlon? You know, what am I going to say? I'm a big fan of your, you know, Which you ended stupid. up saying. Right. So that was what was so interesting about it. So I would lost my autograph book. And I decided, again, I think because I was feeling insecure and like, you know, here's Marty. He's going to be talking to him about this movie and... I'll just be. I'll just sit there quietly and listen. You know, yeah. and I guess like when you talks about insecurity, had I been, had I, I, I've, you know, you just you're like fall into a role. Well, what role will I be? Well, I'll just sit there and I'll be like a listen, a really good listener. Yeah, and I'm not. You know, that's not my nature. My nature is to be a loud comedian. Great. And so, I decided like I put on this outfit too, which was insane. <laughs> no. Like I like, i don't know why what why I outfit? wear this. I was—I put on like a mini skirt, like a thrift shop, you know, plaid mini skirt with like thick kind of white stockings. Oh, you know, like little school girlish, like a go-go dancer with a with a lumpy kind of brown sweater. Doc Martens, oh, you know. You're wearing Doc Martens today. I know. Nothing's it's, changed. I, nothing is. Nothing I've has changed. Gone back to my roots. <laughs> Your thighs look perfect. You've got the tightest, most
0: amazing thighs. Your body is dance incredible. Class. It's none of my business, but yes, dance class gone. But so
1: what's what? So intri- what ended up happening was that I became the focus uh, for whatever you know emotional stuff was going on. I became the the focus for Marlon Brando. I think it was the white tights and the miniskirt. No, it wasn't that because we. It was much more about locking eyes okay, and souls and things like that, which again I, you know, sort of write about. But the culmination was that he picked up that I was insecure. And I fell. I immediately was in my old acting school days, where you're never supposed to deny, and you're supposed to live in the moment. And here's the world's greatest actor, and I suddenly found myself in, in, in unable to not be completely honest. And I, the minute I started to say I am insecure, and the, it was like the tears just came. And, oh my god! And then he started crying, and then like we were both, you know, because I was like, it just hit me that trying to suppress. My emotional feelings about Merlin Brando uh, and what he had brought to my life and the world and my whole core about being an actor, and so rather than deny that, I just, I just expressed to him in a quiet way through tears what he had meant to me, and it shifted the entire day. You know, sometimes like the worst thing is like to to stop yourself from crying because it's like you're trying to bot that emotion is you know you got to just let out that emotion because it's fear or nerves or whatever but anyway the whole day ended up shifting and he once again reminded me so we were talking about oh the relationship with Marty and he was so much more famous than me and stuff but what Mar- again what Marlon Brando reminded me of is the inner qualities that I had that are much more important than fame or money yeah. or, or any of those things. So it's hard to remember that because, again, in the, in our culture now, you know, being famous is so weirdly important. That's to that's
0: all that's important. It's like you're famous yeah. for being famous, and that's it. Whoever and it's has a more, shame, whoever has the most Instagram followers, wins. It's disgusting.
1: Well, because the thing is, if you get hit by a bus and you're lying on the ground, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be thinking about. You know, we're so far away from our um, – you know, that the reason we're put here on earth is to me is to to live a really interesting life, to try to do as much you've, – you've such a short time to try to impart as much kind of joy and happiness and be a good person, help other people, and have values and, and make your mark, you know, on this – Earth that's what I think, yeah and and being famous is like, boy, it just it just it just narrows I think your ability to do something interesting and or or do life changing things. I mean, I so much just try to do things that are interesting, where i'm going to meet people um where I'm going to travel and and things like that, and so again what what was great about Marlon Brando was I was just again shifting into this mode of like. I got to be more famous and I got to be really successful. That's all ego, yeah. And so, you know, to have that, to have somebody like Marlon Brando, again, recognize some inner light in me, some aura in me. That affected him emotionally. That brought him up. Made me realize that I had something, you know, special. And we all have something special. Yeah. It's just that, you know, we're we it's it's buried so many times, or we're embarrassed to bring to bring it out. You know, the, again, the culture right now just seems to be, um, like they don't want to, ugh, like nobody wants to look stupid. Yeah. Or, but, and that's my favorite thing. Me I mean, don't, too. Don't you like yes. guys that are like? more, you know, they silly. do something silly or yeah. stupid or, don't you like a guy a lot more when he's like, I
0: don't know, I, just, I don't yeah. think you like me. Oh my god, I don't care what a guy looks like. I'm dating a guy Sad now. Sad Yeah, I just like, I look like funny, weird, kooky guys that I can laugh with because all yeah. I want to do is laugh. I love being the butt of the joke. I feel like you do too. You, you're, this, you're self-deprecating, Sef- you're yes. hilarious. Um, yeah, I know. And it's like a constant reminder to go to get grounded in yourself. That's like a uh, an everyday thing I have to deal with is, you know, not getting so phased by like I don't have enough Instagram followers. I, I don't. I'm not in a show. I'm on this and that. Or like what? It's just hard that everybody does tie their self worth up in in the wrong things. Then it's like a daily practice to get grounded in yourself and realize what's important. And yeah. that we're all ultimately enough. I mean, I want to you know that we're all enough. I, I you know nobody really has to do anything.
1: Well, I to think that's the problem themselves. with all the. <clears throat> The social media, and it's, you know, listen, it's very important. And with my book and, you know, having out there and having people make comments on and it. How can
0: it, we follow you? Where can we find you? Oh. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you, you can follow, follow her. me at
1: Ileana Rama.
0: And- at Ileana Rama, both mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, And Facebook. It, and yes. Facebook. Because, you know what? Listen, you're, you're pushing a thing. I'm pushing a thing. You know what I mean? When you're in a business, mm-hmm. you've got to... That's what it is. You need Instagram. I don't think – if I wasn't in this business, I don't think I would have any of those things.
1: I mean maybe I would. I don't know. I just think it's so exhausting. But it yes. is. But it is it, – you know, it it can be a 24-hour – It's
0: a 24-hour – it's exhausting. Job. Yeah.
1: And it's not – it has nothing to do with, again, like finding a soulful Soul, relationship yeah. or any of that. I mean my worry, again, and I'm, I don't have to face this, but with young people dating is, again, so much is – out there. I've certainly had the experience of being on a date where someone is like, so I read you were, oh, you know, yeah. named after a Romanian princess. And I'm like, that's actually not true. Oh,
0: my God. And I don't even know that. On, <laughs>
1: well, Because somehow these things are end up on the internet or Wikipedia. And you're like, that's not remotely yeah. true. And I don't know how it got there. And things are culled together by anonymous people from magazine stories that may or may not be accurate. And then it becomes truth. And then people start. I actually like to find out a About a person for real, not by looking them out first on the
0: IRL in real life. You want to like, yeah, I like to. I've got to do that too before I go on a date. I go, do I Google the guy? Like, I actually have to ask myself and like get centered and be like, should I Google him first? And I go, no, I want to learn about him from him, right? And but you're not even on like. I sent you a, like a, a a link to a dating application like months ago, maybe a year ago, called Raya. Did you ever look at it? No. Oh, of course. Not. Good, you're better <laughs> than me. It, there's a. It's are like, you
1: are you on it? Is I'm, it fun? I'm
0: on it. It's like Illuminati Tinder. It's like Tinder for for douchebags or creative people. Ooh. And. Yeah. Uh, How's, like, how's
1: it working out? How's, it's like you...
0: I've gone on like a lot of dates. Yeah. I think I've alienated a lot of like Really?
1: People. Famous people? I think so. I'll oh, show God. you later. I'll show you later.
0: I, here's what oh, happened: no. like, like it's all, a, it's all a, a lot of douchey DJs on yachts wearing like fedoras and I'm like, no thanks. But then I started liking everybody just to see if the douchebags would like me back because I feel like I have a weird relationship with my face and I feel like you and I have talked about this because we look so similar. Yeah. I refer to myself as an acquired... An acquired taste. I feel like I re- either really love what I look like, and I think, "Wow, I'm so unique looking. I'm so yeah. cool." And then other days, I'm like, "I'm a monster. I don't deserve love." I understand. I'm super freaky. Uh, you know, like it, it takes a certain kind to appreciate my face. You know, it's insane. Wait, you're, be- you're I, beautiful. I, you're that's what i That's why you're here because I'm looking at you and I think you're beautiful and I think we look so well, similar. All, <laughs> your features are perfect. Yours are.
1: They're not quite. But,
0: See, you can't even quite, can't give a compliment. Are. Anyway, but I thought we looked like
1: we could be related. Definitely, we could. I, I okay. agree. I'm
0: writing that pilot right now. Actually, I posted a thing. I was at a reading. I did a, I did a reading for Eliana's book uh, a few days ago at Samuel Friend. She was me, Kate Micucci. Uh, who was so, the other girl? Um, Stephanie Drake. Stephanie Drake, who I saw in an audition like a few days later, which yeah. is really funny. But I had, you know, cover your ears, uh, world- and Ileana, I, I just got my period all right uh-huh. I was having an emotional crisis uh and then one of the girls who was there before we started doing the reading goes oh I'm I'm freezing my eggs and I and she's like only a little bit uh, older than than I am uh-huh and I just went I was like Oh my god! Do I have to worry about this now? Do I have? To, I don't have the money. Am I supposed to freeze my eggs too? I can't. I can't do this. And uh, I don't know what this has to do with dating and
1: Illuminati Tinder and all this stuff and and douchebags. But it's like, well, she's you know that's that's the thing. She's not dating anyone, so she's concerned.
0: She's concerned. But uh, yeah.
1: Anyway, it's a whole new world out there. Oh,
0: but I was I was just saying I was saying I was clicking on the mm. on all the douchey guys on the dating app because yeah. I uh, I was I was just wanted to know if they would. Press the heart for me as well. And maybe I could get past my fear of, mm-hmm. of what I think people think of my face. Oh, But that's the end of that story.
1: <laughs> so now what happens when you go on the date? Uh, you go out to dinner. God, it just seems, oh my God, I'd go, rather be home with my dog. Just Yeah. In an Epsom salt bath yeah. with your dog. I, I, I want to say
0: dirty Did things, you? but I don't want to offend you because I feel like you're like, you're a woman. You're like a badass woman. Well, I'm slightly I'm, prudish. You are prudish. I know. I, I'm getting that vibe. Like I want to like say like masturbating or something or whatever. And then I'm like, you can so, say no, I don't want to. I know. No, no, you leave can me say alone. It. I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to be like Matt. Yeah, I'd rather be single with my dog and enough. To you fall young back people past. are oh, very Jesus. free oh, with your whatever. How are you so prudish? You been raised on a nudist colony. That's why. Oh, you're I, like I don't want I, this. I <laughs> saw it all. <laughs> you're like I choose the other
1: way. I think um, so. I think I became a little straight laced because oh I saw so much nudity as a child.
0: Do you test men? When you date them, I'm not. I'm not saying you're dating anyways, This is like totally uh, just no segue here. But uh, yeah. just thinking about dating and dating apps and being in the world. Um yeah. I have gone on a lot of dates. I also feel like yeah. I matched with like a. I, I feel like I've matched with. Uh, Would I want to hear this on a podcast? I don't know. I think it sounds. I just sound like a monster and an annoying jerk. But that's fine. Leave Leave a comment below. But um, anyway, I've matched with studio heads on yeah. this weird douchey Illuminati Tinder called Raya, right. and. And I completely alienate myself right away because I'm 5'11", and, all I, the, and they're very nice, and they're uh-huh. exchanges with me. And then I go, yeah, 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 but how tall are you? Because I'm 5'11", and I want to know how tall the guy is. And, right. and I, I, I've just been offending men left and right in, in this virtual dating app world because I'm calling them out on, like, not being tall
1: enough for me. Oh, and, well, I uh, guess it doesn't sound. I mean, doesn't, it, is that important that they're shorter than you?
0: <laughs> I some I, I get self conscious about my height. Do you care if you date somebody shorter,
1: taller, no. or taller? None of it matters. It doesn't. How do remember? How you do get you that feel? Phrase, how do you feel? How do I feel tall and big?
0: If I date a tall,
1: <laughs> if I date a little dude, really? But when you're with them, you gotta like. That's I gotta, all. That's all like in your head. I got to meditate. You overthink things. I, I might. Think maybe that's it. You gotta be in the moment. I gotta be in the moment. Did you ever do an acting class or anything? I've, I meditated before the show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did it work? No, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> you know what it is? Like, it's, um, uh, you know, Meisner technique, which is what I studied in acting school, which is what Jeff Goldblum.
0: Oh, I love him. I had such a crush see, on him. He's
1: so moment to moment living. Okay. You can't think about the future. Don't think about the future. Don't think about the past.
0: Let me write that down. Don't Just think about be the in past. In the
1: moment, moment to moment. Okay. So, you, so if you look at me right now, we're going to do a little acting Here exercise. We are. Okay. So, now, now, how do you, how do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, you, so, just you do like a you do a repetition. So, in this moment, so it's like you feel good, I feel good. So that's like a you know like a through line. Okay. To us, and so meaning it's that that is the moment, and it, it's almost impossible. But you don't shift the moment until it happens organically. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, in repetition, you literally would just keep saying, I feel good. You know, you feel good. I feel good. I feel good. You seem, so, you know, until organically we drive people crazy. Yeah. The moment shifts.
0: But that might make for a boring podcast.
1: It's true, but um uh it's not boring in real life. In real life, and, I know. But it but it's I think it centers you to be in the moment, meaning you're not worried. So it's like if you're at dinner with a guy, you're not thinking, I wonder if he's gonna pay, I wonder Oh yeah. What, you know, if this is gonna happen and that those are all the things that are bad you gotta think about like in the moment.
0: Oh How man. How do you feel
1: in the moment? How do
0: I feel in the moment? Yeah. I think uh I think I'm capable of feeling good in the moment. Mm-hmm. But then I do a whole other thing that's completely horrible where I love to sabotage things and test men and Uh push them away Uh to see how much they can take. So eventually, when they've had enough and they leave me, I can go, I knew you finally (laughs) leave me. You're just like my father. So do you do that?
1: Well, I yeah, I think that uh, anyone who has abandonment issues yeah. do you does that? Well, I always make this you know this joke about I, I like dating older men so I can work out why my father never loved me
0: <laughs> exactly. I, that's why. See, I got to start dating older men. Right now, I'm just dating men my own age or in their twenties. Like I yeah, I this.
1: feel like you. You know, I, I I have no idea, but it doesn't have literally have to be an older uh man but maybe a man a man who has uh, a little bit of a more traditional sort of um you know background cuz i i think what it is is that your looks maybe don't jive with your personality that's what i'm thinking what do you mean because when i if i looked at you and you weren't speaking oh wow you, you look like like a groovy chick from 1969 <laughs> no, you do you totally that's what you look like. Okay. You know, you look like you were, you know, Neil Young's girlfriend in 1969. Like but, that's what you look like. But then your personality—it's like—it's like, is like Larry funny David? and goofy. Oh, okay. And so it doesn't. It do, It 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 could be. I I think that for men that could be jarring. you <laughs> <I>, I've, rend, <laughs> I've rendered you speechless. Not an easy thing to do. <laughs>
0: um. Wow, is everything going to be okay?
1: Yeah, I think that you somehow have to meld both of these things together and accept them. I'm just putting on chapstick. I'm lubing
0: up to take this in. Um, well, what's the worst thing? And you've also, done? like,
1: is there you know you you talk about sex a lot. Like, I'm concerned that you do you do you put yourself out there like too much sexually?
0: I think Well, I'm dating somebody semi seriously now, but I feel like I'm like. Two weird phone call conversations away from like having him be like just completely exhausted by me.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I've probably – I've slept with a lot of people. Like what? what is a lot?
0: I feel like I, sh- I, I want to start lying. I want to just start saying like four people because what I'm yeah. learning is even though women are like it doesn't matter anymore. It's 2015. Lena Dunham. Everything's right, great. Right. I feel like even when I meet kooky, wacky guys who are like me, the kind of guys I usually date. Right. It's funny because they – have old school sensibilities they aren't even aware of mm-hmm. where they're like, yeah, I think technically on paper I should be okay with a girl being open sexually, but I think there's an old school thing in me where I don't want to think of them like that, you know, right. which makes sense. So I kind of want to not, I kind of want to not be talking about the fact that I've probably had sex with like a hundred people or like close to a hundred people and just be like, I've only had sex with yeah three people mm-hmm. and hated it all. Didn't like any, <laughs> or I don't know because yes, but I do. I am very sexual and I do talk about it a lot and I do like make a lot of jokes like that because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I feel like that's like in the, in the zeitgeist now or something or whatever. It was a cooler, less dorky
1: word. But like, you know, it, like Lena Dunham
0: th- and, you know, Cummings. <clears throat> I know Cummings but you and- keep
1: saying that. Like, is, it, it, or is that, again, something that you think you're supposed to be because it's au courant?
0: No. I've always I've been like this.
1: Yeah. I have two – my two friends – Who are uh, 30. The girl from The Skinny? Yeah. Yeah. And Eliana was in a web web series called The Skinny,
0: right? Called The Skinny. Okay. That's what we're referring to.
1: Yeah. And again, it's very, you know, very, very, very sexual.
0: I think it's just... Well, I started a website. But called- she,
1: what? But when? But when she talks about how much sex she's had, it's like is there, it doesn't seem again to be kind of fun or. I, I satisfying have fun. I'm or- having
0: satisfying fun, and the funny thing right. is, I'm not even wacky. Like I have a lot of friends. I have a girlfriend named Carly who has a website called SledEver Ever dot com, where she talks about like toys and weird mm-hmm. stuff, like and i'm not into any of that i just like normal i mean i think you and i talked about this just together one day like just uh at your, at your house uh let me give everybody the address just kidding um <laughs> but uh Fair about no. how like yeah i do talk about sex not as much as all these other girls i know like mm. i'll make like a touching your privates joke i don't even mm-hmm. like to say like i'm a yeah. lot i'm a lot more prudish amongst those girls you know right um but I'm not into anything weird. I just like normal, like love making or intense, yeah. passionate eye contact, cozy, se- like you know. I so uh,
1: well. It could be that uh, everybody is so heightened that they need more and more stimulation.
0: It, it and also it's because we're it's on what Instagram. What I'm picking up on. We're on, from... well, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. All this stuff is coming at you. Uh, all these shows talking about transgender stuff and open relationships and right. uh,
1: the culture
0: and how yeah people aren't. Uh, gay or straight anymore there's like everything's fluid and we're not allowed to it's like everything's so politically correct now and every and like sexuality is being taken to this level where it's like i have 16 year old and 15 year old girlfriends who are like you know so because i've dated a lot of guys who tell me that they've had sex with men or they've made Mm -hmm. out and then that will make me uh, go are they gay are they bisexual what's the deal right and then all my younger friends are like hey cool it with all the labels cool it with all the labels <laughs> like sexuality is like fluid now man and i'm like wait i'm still young though like i'm cool i'm not like some old stodgy whatever like but still like i don't know it is a weird time because things are getting very topsy-turvy
1: yeah very much so but um very much so
0: but anyway i don't know how we got here but uh dating apps you've never been on tinder you've never no, been it's no you don't need no it. desire no desire I don't. What's the weirdest thing a guy you actually met in real life has done when he's trying to, try to woo you, but aside
1: from Googling you and, like... Well, my funny, I've had a couple really funny dating experiences, like, just going back to acting school, where, again, like, I, I you know, somebody uh, really, really pastored me for a date, and I, I kind of wasn't, you know, like, this really nice guy, but, like, not, you know, but just kept charming me, charm. come on, come on, come on, you know. Yeah. So finally relented. So this is the we're going back to like 1984 now. This is when I was in acting school. And okay, I'm gonna go on a date. We don't have cell phones, so he says, I'll, "I'm gonna pick you up. You know, meet me under the clock at Grand Central Station." Oh wow, Friday night. I'm scared. It's big night. Yeah, <laughs> picks me up. We get into a car. It's like three guys. In the car with him. Aristotle looked shocked. Yeah. Shocked. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I have no idea where we're going. He's like, it's me. We're going out. So we drive out to Long Island. It was a reunion of his Jewish campmates, like a Jewish theater camp that they'd all been to. And this was a reunion. And some girl who was like his girlfriend when he was a child was there. And everybody was Jewish in this room. And he kept introducing – he was like, this is Ileana. And people were like, you're not Jewish. Oh, my God. I didn't know. Is that a prerequisite? You know, I don't know. So you're not Jewish? Get out of here. You know, so then I was like – I just – Jack, are we going to be here much longer? He's like, isn't this great? it <laughs> so was like, this reunion of all these people he'd been to camp with. And one of the guys, who I guess was a clown, whatever, oh, you know, what a I disaster. don't know. He says to, to the guy and me, he's put your hand, you know, both of you guys, put your hands out, put your hands on. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I put my hands out. He handcuffed us together.
0: Romance.
1: And then left us that way until literally, and I saw, I have like, Panic attacks. I was, I kept saying, please, can you, you got to undo it? And they're like, oh, you guys are, you know, making all these. This was their first date. It was, it ended up with me crying, uh, driving back in silence, you know, to Grand Central and station. And then still
0: handcuffed to the guy? They eventually, they
1: finally, I know, they they finally undid the handcuffs when I was crying. Oh, that's nice. And, oh, um, I wish that was the case for every story there. I've, you know, been then handcuffed. I saw, but then I saw him in school. And he was like, "It was really fun. We should do it again." I was like, "Do you not have any sense that that was the worst night of my life?" But Didn't you know what? Sense. And
0: the funny thing is, he must have been so proud to show you off as his date at this thing, and he must—I
1: mean—wanted me to go to his re- his Jewish camp reunion. I mean, were
0: his parents there? It sounds like he was like,
1: "I'm going to bring." Was all his kids? But they were in camp together.
0: What is that when you're the uh, you're the
1: what's the word when you're not Jewish? Shiksa, goddess, you're the Shiksa goddess. Italian, I I mean, you know. And then another time, a guy in also in school pestered me, pestered me. Finally, went out with him. We went out to dinner, and we were going to go see. I'll never forget the movie. The movie was A Room with a View. Mm -hmm. So we went out to dinner. He chose the restaurant, and at the restaurant. Well, after we were eating, like halfway through our meal, he informed me he did not have enough money to pay uh, for the meal. So I said, "Okay." So I, you know, helped pay for the meal, and then we walked to um, the theater to see A Room with a View, which if I don't know if anyone remembers, I, mean, I remember the book. An incredibly know. romantic film. Okay. And we get up, and he says, "I spent all my money at dinner. Will you get my <laughs> ticket?" I was like, okay, so I bought his ticket, and wow. there were other kids from my class at the theater, and they were all making fun of me, like, "Who's your boyfriend?" Oh, God. And so, anyway, the thing is, the movie's over. I don't. Even, it was horrible, and I was like, "Well, good night." And he was like, "I'll walk you home." And I was like, "Okay, do you not get that this is again?" Did you make is- out?
0: No, I don't I know. Like, you never he, know.
1: I couldn't get rid of the guy. It was. It was finally like I said. Um, we want me ten blocks, so he walked me to like 59th uh, Street. We yeah. were at the theater at the Plaza. We like, I was like, okay, good night. And he was like, no, I'll, I'll, I really want to walk you home. I was like, it's oh the least God. he could
0: do after you just paid for all. After you took him out on that
1: beautiful he date, I just <laughs> wanted him to go away. He just wanted you to be safe. You know, And he oh, was God. like, we we he walked to my finally walked to my apartment. Yeah. I was like, okay, thank you. Good night. Oh. He was like, can I come in for the bathroom?
0: Once? Oh Did he go to the bathroom in your place? Yeah. I. Oh, my God. I'm I'm not. Yeah.
1: I would have. Luckily, that's when you have a room. Thank God you have a roommate. So I've, you could open the door and go, you know, yeah. get your PJs on and make sure this guy doesn't stay any longer. I'm anymore. just so
0: glad. I have a lot of girlfriends who are, are such people pleasers because people pleasing is such. So you're not a people pleaser. Totally. You are. Well, at least it's not in a sexual way where it's like because I, I have girlfriends oh. who would have been like okay I guess I'll make out with you I don't know it's just too hard to say no you know what I mean like that's yeah, another that's thing true. that permeates the whatever
1: That's true. Um, but, I don't, but that, I'm, I've been on very few dates I find myself in like um, you know I've never I always find it odd like usually people choose me I've never
0: yeah I like people to choose me too I like people to come at me strong and I don't like to chase the guy I think I, I think it's funny to do that about with men that I don't really like because I think it's funny to be the butt of the t- – or be seem like I'm, you know, messing with a guy and flirting with a guy, but I'm not really into him. When I really like somebody, I do nothing and I want him
1: him to come for me. And I still manage to ruin it.
0: I don't know how. But then
1: again, that's something that's different. Like back in the 80s or
0: – You'd have I went to go to, strong?
1: No, no, no. When I was going to school in New York, it was like, hey, I like you. You like me. Let's go out. Every, yeah. It was very uncomplicated. But these days, again, there are these – Kind of rules, like you know, you like someone. I remember, you know, kind of like I like someone, and then you know, move in for a kiss, and the guy's like, "Hey, whoa," oh, you know. Like, I think I you know, yeah. Like, you know, so it's such an awkward yeah. It's uh, so we weird, doing? you I know, mean, or think, yeah, or people. Uh, I had a guy back out of a date. He was like, you know, I have a daughter. He would asked me on the date. He was like, you know, I have a daughter and I can't really get her to relate. I was like, You're like,
0: dude, I was I like, relax. It's going to be,
1: <laughs> we were having dinner. Oh, yeah. Like, nobody's going to eat. Yeah. I was just, uh, I maybe we'd have fun. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it'd be a second date. I'm like, oh. you know, but so I think, again, that um, men and women these days seem to project, oh my God, an awful lot. Um, on people.
0: That's my favorite part of dating is the projection part. Really? And then I meet the real person. I get to know them. I'm like, check, please. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm like, that's the best part when you can like put them on a pedestal, idealize them. Oh my God, it's amazing. They know everything. They're going to save me. Like, you know, you're going
1: to go on, we're going to go on trips and
0: we're going to go, we're going to be in love. He's going to be my partner in crime. I'm just going to be
1: wrong. We're going to be understood. What's your best project? I'll give you my projection. My best 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 projection is, you know, we're in, we're in bed and I'm reading a book (laughs) with the TCM.
0: Yeah. Watching yourself on TCM. Yeah. And he's like, I love
1: it. And he's, (laughs) and he's like doing his work for the next day. You know, he's like doing his directing or whatever. Yeah. That would be my, you know, see, those are the kind of things I project, but I guess I'm boring that way.
0: No, I think my, my projection is I already, I have an idea. I want to feel safe and cozy and Mm. know that he's not going to cheat on me. I want to I want him to be funny. I want to be in a relationship where we're making stuff together and I'm writing and acting in a thing and and maybe directing it and he's or he's it's great. Or he's doing I want to make stuff together because that's when I feel I'm most intimate with people. Like I'll work on a job and I'll feel like wow, everybody on the set and the direct- and the DP, I feel closer to the DP than I do to the person I'm dating because yeah. you know, I've been so vulnerable. So I want to work with the person and I want to I think it's really – I really want to be understood by a person feel safe that somebody understands me because I feel like there's so much chaos in my head. And I know I have a lot of problems and I got to meditate and I do that sometimes and writing helps. But I'm a – I have a lot of frantic energy. It's how I've been always, no Mm -hmm. matter what I do, to quiet it. And I feel misunderstood and uncomfortable around most people. That's Mm -hmm. how I live my life. Just kind of like living my life uncomfortable styles. Mm -hmm. So when I meet someone, if I'm really going to give my heart to someone and fall in love – it's it's because I feel like I can tuck away in them and just feel like oh finally I feel safe I can shut the world out we're cozy we've got, we have great sex we make cool stuff together I'm understood and I feel safe here you mm-hmm. know is that too much to ask is that too <laughs> much? <laughs> it and pay, perfect and, and he buys me presents and perfume and loves me and doesn't Aww. get mad and, anyway and deals with all my brings bullshit. you flowers brings me flowers um, oh going back to how we met yes. So, Okay, so I met you at this Emmy gifting suite, uh-huh. right? Talked to you for a moment. You talked to me. I felt seen. I mm. felt understood. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Maybe I'll find her. Maybe I'll go to one of our music parties. Then, <laughs> then that never happened. Then we went to. Then we were in Factory Girl together. I never met you, but you were around, and I just felt so honored to be in the same movie that Ileana Douglas was in. It's amazing. Then – I met you with Sia, that singer girl. Oh, yes. And it was that, uh, we we're at like Stella uh, in Silver Lake, a very yeah. hip happening, cool establishment yeah. or whatever. And uh, people with bangs hang out there and Ileana and I both have bangs. Yep. Uh, let it never be forgotten. Uh, yep. You, you heard it here first. Okay, anyway, so, and I saw you and you, me, and Sia had a conversation about about what I'm craziest about talking about, which is boys, love, dating, relationship, what it all means. Oh, God. That was amazing. Again, you invited both of us to a music party. <laughs> But I never got an invite. I never got an invite to. Um, and then you like rode off on your bike with your cute butt and your perfect thighs and your fit body and everything is cool and just such a badass off on your bike. And then the most recent time I met you, re met you. Yeah. We were both in return to sender. Yes. I felt more confident than I had ever felt in my life. I was in a real good, stable place. I hoped to get back there. And uh, I saw you on the call sheet. I heard that you were getting your wardrobe fitting and I went, this is it. No more. i got to catch up. Again. So I knocked knocked on the door of wardrobe, and you were being fit. And I'm like, Ileana, it's me. It's Alexi. We've met a few times. And then that was, that was it. Then I, like, I, I, had, I wanted to get in your nook. And then I, I tried to be cool. I tried to befriend you. And it kind of worked. And you were nice to me. And I was like, this is so cool. Just keep taking it slow. Just be slow. Be cool. Don't come on too strong. Just act cool, casual, effortless. Like, you don't even care. But I cared. And, uh
1: That's funny. And
0: then we really bonded on the flight home. Yeah. You and I were at the airport. Some annoying actress almost caused you to miss your car to go back. That was funny. We'll not say her name. She's very famous now. Yeah. She got famous. Anyway, whatever. Who cares? Anyway, so. (coughs) so, uh, And then we were on the flight together and I was exhausted and I wanted to sleep so badly. But you were as talkative as I am right now. Yeah. And you were just telling me your entire life story about everything. And I was so into it. I actually literally had to like almost <laughs> hold my eyelids up just to be like, oh, when Ileana Douglas wants to tell you all of her personal life stories, you, you got to stay awake, you know? <laughs> and that was amazing. And then from then on, you invited me to your living room show. Cause yes. You have a million things you do. You do a, a variety show in uh-huh. fancy people's living rooms. Tell us about
1: that. Oh, my God. So much fun. Um, well, we do a professional variety show. It's for, for charity with um, – with drummer uh, Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. and he has a charity called Adopt the Arts. So we do. Uh, I used to just do it on my own, but now we've joined forces, and it's even we get some even better, very cool uh, living rooms. But yeah, we get like it's amazing. These audience, are so like fun. 100 people, hundred twenty people, very and...
0: high brow in these very fancy houses where I hope to date one of the divorces. Yeah. You know, um, and it's uh,
1: magicians, comedians. Actors and actresses. I mean, you know, we've had uh, Lisa Loeb, Mickey Dolan's from the Monkeys. The Monkeys, and you did it on a cruise, so you worked yeah. for. T- okay, so because it's so popular, people from a TCM TCM have come very much to the show. Ben Mankiewicz is one of the hosts. He's been in the show. Yeah. And uh,
0: first thing when you got to uh, uh, to Hollywood, right? You cleaned his uh, his uh, his ne- uncle's his, star on the Walk of Fame or something.
1: It's it would be his great uncle. His yes. great
0: uncle, somebody Mankiewicz. Joe
1: Joe Mankiewicz. Okay, but yeah. that's, that's just an unnecessary I obs- side. I was obsessed, obsessed. with Joe Mankiewicz. I've been always obsessed with... Uh, the Mankiewicz is, again, the, so so many of these weird coincidences. So insane. No, that and I would become like close friends with Ben Mankowitz and work with him on TCM. And all the when you know, there's photos of me polishing It's crazy. No, I was, so, I was There's
0: a photo of that, yeah, in your book.
1: Yeah. Um, there's where, so many pictures like that. You got
0: to go to IleanaDouglas.com because that's where all the info is about everything TCM, everything her book, I and mean, your book tour. Like, what's what's next?
1: Uh, what is next is, and you can also go to Amazon and get get the book. Go the to book, Amazon. Book on tape is coming <gasps> out.
0: That's what I'm waiting for. Are you read? You read it yes. right? That'd be crazy if you didn't read it. That'd be December really 22nd. December twenty second. December twenty second. That's that's my favorite way to listen to a book. You yeah. know, I listen to all my self help tape bullshit and all my books that other books that I read yeah. in the car because I'm in LA driving all the time.
1: It was fun reading it too. I got I definitely got emotional yeah. a few times in terms of reading it. Um, I some a couple of times I had to go back because it was too emotional. Really? Yeah. It was it was interesting. You know, I worked with a great director, this you know, woman that was that was again a woman. I, I
0: love work, that you're working I with women work with directors. So many women. That's so fantastic. That, thank she, God.
1: So somebody actually directs you when you do the book on tape. And yeah, it was a couple of times in terms of reading it being truthful, but you know, as I'm reading it I got emotional too, talking about You know, Death of My Grandfather and just some other things. Um, But that's coming up. Next up is Las Vegas. You're going to Las Vegas? Yeah, Barnes & Noble. I'm doing an event there. Then I go back to New York. Um, I'm going to be doing... Andy Cohen show. You
0: oh my god! I'm oh excited. my god! Watch what happens live in the Andy Cohen Clubhouse, in the Bravo Bravo Clubhouse. I think I'm doing. Oh the, my god. the
1: I think I'm doing the, the. It's just as good. The I think it's the serious XM live show.
0: Oh, that's just as good. It's you just got, as good. You got to do Howard Stern and yeah. get in the Bravo Andy
1: Clubhouse. Mention I know, that I when would you do this. Sir- oh my
0: god! There's no reason why you I'm shouldn't
1: because that's a great show. It's, it's a, a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Um, would I, you be a Real Housewife of Beverly Hills?
1: Well, I was thinking, you know, as we were going over it, we, we should be like not housewives, but real independent chicks of West Hollywood.
0: that's like some weird web series <laughs> that, that will pay us nothing? We can't really. <laughs> I mean, that but sounds fun. Can we
1: fight each other off with our like, the, you know, boyfriends, the you know, grubby boyfriends? I would love that. I think bands in Seattle and you well, know, well, yeah, we'll, that's <laughs>
0: a little hitting too close to home right now with my ex uh, ex boyfriend. Uh, oh. um, I think that you people actually believe my Instagram post the other day from your reading where they thought me you, me, and Kate McCucci were gonna do a sitcom
1: oh but we, sh- we should It'd we should be so do perfect it. people were
0: like really excited in fact, somebody from from a production company that's actually a legit cool production yeah. company was like, that's my dream. I'm in love with Ileana. and I was like so I like I pitched a full-on show I didn't tell you this, but I like fully pitched the show to Let's this go like, in and do Dude, it I swear to go we should do this, oh, but that day I did your reading yeah uh And I heard about the girl, my friend, getting her eggs frozen. I just got my period. I was in a fight with my boyfriend. Uh, The dude that I'm dating, he Uh has not asked me to be his girlfriend yet, which I'm livid about. Uh, Ooh. Because I like labels and I just can't just trust how I feel about him when I'm around him and how he treats me. Anyway, um, but it was – I was so nervous. I had not yet read. I got the book that day because I yeah. gave it as a gift to my mom because she was like, I want to read this. So I didn't have it. I didn't know what I was reading until like midnight the night before because you texted me what I was reading midnight the night before. I was like drunk at a house party with a friend or something. And I'm like, what am I reading? I don't have the book. And I just – I was terrified. I was terrified reading the book. It was so – We're going to have another
1: chance. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to read it again. We're going to read it again. Oh. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. So what do you do? Up to? So okay. New York, Andy Cohen. <clears throat> New York. Then I go to Connecticut. I've got a couple events Barn in West Hartford. I'm doing a Mark Mark Twain house. Um, I'm doing like a big event there with the Hartford Stage Company. Um, that's January 13th. Then I'm going to Boston January 15th. I'm going to be doing a, an event at at the Boston at the South Street Station, I guess. There's Are you a, busking? What do you mean the I, station? Yeah, there's a, it's called Barbara's Booksellers, I think. I'm, so I'm doing an event with them. Then I go uh, to Atlanta mm-hmm. to do some uh, things in conjunction with uh, Jerry Lewis's 90th birthday.
0: Oh, my God. And, I'll be there. Thanks for the invite. And, yes. Uh, and, and, then, <laughs> and then I go to
1: Sundance with The Skinny. Oh. So and, what is The Skinny thing? It's this uh, web series, comedy notes. web series. Uh, I'm one of the producers of. It's being produced by uh, Jill Soloway's company. Um, and... Uh, a, a company called Refinery Twenty Nine,
0: very hip, very hip.
1: Yeah, very hip. I know about them. Um, and uh, it, and it got into Sundance, so we're we're going, you know, up there. Um, the skinny
0: I, got into Sundance. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah,
1: so I'm my co-star. I play the mom. It's, so it's a comedy about bulimia. Oh well, that's always funny. I play the mo- I play the mom <laughs> of uh, the you know actress Jesse uh, Conwheeler's star.
0: Yeah, I met her at a one very, of your parties.
1: Yeah, very. uh you know
0: she came at me hard when when like you talk about me being sexual talking about sexual stuff I know that's her that's I, her lick I say private I say private and I say like masturbate or touch your yeah. privates or I've had sex with men I met her at your party first four seconds she's like hi I was raped and I'm bulimic and like and I'm sorry she said it and she's like it's in my podcast it's in my thing it's all my stuff and she like leads with it it's all over the internet too I'm not saying anything yeah. right now but I had just met her you know what I yeah. mean and like that's her thing she, she's cool She's a force of nature. She's a force. <laughs> force. I'm like you know I play up the the insecurity, frantic, a little bit sexual boy craziness, but like, that's yeah, a lot well, that's right there. The sh- that woman is
1: a lot. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's what the show is. The show is very, um, you know, very daring. And, yeah, uh, I
0: can't wait to see that. Yeah,
1: so I play her mom in that, and um, and I'm one of the producers of it. it's a show I actually helped uh, develop. Oh my so, god. Yeah, so it's amazing to yeah. see it. Come to fruition. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I'm always being a, a, ma- a mentor of women. I do look for women's projects. I'm right I, here. I know. I I'm, am I right would, here. <laughs> I love it. Well, suddenly, it's. I think this is going to be a good year for pitching things. You know, be become a little bit a little bit easier. Yeah,
0: why wasn't it easier three years ago, right after Lena does? So, I mean, because <laughs> everybody was like, "This is great, this is really going to help," and then all of a sudden, it's like it didn't. It but did.
1: I think that it, it, you know. But this has been a great year, like with the the TCM show, Trailblazing Women. I've already Ugh, seen yeah. the uh, the effects of 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 that, of being just very vocal and keeping it up and uh, keeping some of these, you know, projects um, up and going. And we'll we'll see. I mean, it's great. It's going to be a three-year initiative, that shows oh my So God. it'll be interesting to track projects. And I have, you know, a script that I'm trying to develop. And I also have, you know, TV ideas, too, that I'm, yeah. I really want to get sort of back. It, it was, I, I, you know, writing the book was like, I was still acting, but it, it was sort of. I had to take a year off, really, just to write the book. So now I'm back, with um, a bunch of really, uh, hopefully, some interesting ideas for that would star women. I, as I said, I love. I love that. I Always love working with women. I oh. think women are very funny.
0: They are so funny. This is this is very yeah.
1: varied. You know, very. You know, no two women are alike. You know.
0: This is what I was talking about. I know we're running long. I imagine the show would be an hour, but I'm. Just, is this okay, so, Aristotle? See, I was, uh, now things are flowing. It's the first show, the first episode of Love Alexi. Uh, I got in an argument. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine, and her bonehead boyfriend was there. And w- my girlfriend and I were talking about the male gaze. Mm. And I had never, I mean, you've heard this phrase before. Yes. Amazingly, I had. I'd never heard this phrase before. I was listening to an episode of the Brett Easton podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. I don't know mm, if you've heard this show. I have not. He's. I just love this podcast. Uh, and Rose McGowan was on the show. She's mm. another outspoken, really amazing mm-hmm. woman. I know she says the F word a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she's wacky and a k- kooky badass, but she was making these amazing points and she brought up the male gaze and how mm-hmm. like and I can't believe I didn't realize that, that my entire life, I mean I'm a I'm, I'm a child of a, of a misogynist. My dad is like, the way he speaks about women is intense. But I also, so I thought that's why I react to men and how I view myself because mm-hmm. of how I was raised by my father. I didn't even realize that, you know, we're conditioned as women. We're seeing other women through the eyes of the male gaze, men mm-hmm. who make films, men who put things in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about what is the female gaze, how would you describe that? And my girlfriend and I are having such a hard time because we thought women are so, you know, the male gaze is, it seems like if we're going to, uh, you know, I don't mean to talk so much. But mm-hmm. if we're going to just, the male gaze seems like it's ageist, uh, cares about beauty, sexuality, uh, you know, sexualizing things, sexualizing things, sexualizing things. But women are so varied and in, into so many different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say the, if we had to define what the female gaze was? Because so many more women are rising to the occasion and, and are, you know.
1: Well, that that is such an interesting question. The mo- In my opinion, the most organic way to understand the female gaze is to watch a scene, a sex scene directed by a woman mm-hmm. and then to watch a sex scene directed by a man. Yeah. Because you will see like when we did trailblazing women, I you know we showed sixty films, and within those sixty films, there was a lot of love scenes, and all the films were directed by women and I noticed a striking difference in how women shot these love scenes, yeah you know usually with the men it 's like you know tight close up of you know the woman having an orgasm. Or her breasts, or yeah, something like that. Whereas parts. you know, it was very always like you know, with the guy on, on top of the girl with tight close up of her. You know, it's, it's very, there's a kind of a weird, almost brutality in it. Versus the the women's love scenes, which are very long and sort of luxuriating. Um, and I and to me, there was a kind of a real striking difference. What we have to be careful of these days. Is the organic uh, female gaze, and not a self-imposed, which is what I see sometimes with young women, like you know, just being like men. Um, their that their gaze is so screwed up,
0: yeah. that it's oh.
1: actually appealing uh, more to men, like you know, the whole potty mouth thing and over, being over sexualized. I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's actually a true female gaze. I mean, you want to look at a couple great, great female film- fi- filmmakers, Jane Campion, uh, Lena Vert-Muller, an Italian filmmaker. Agnes Varda, who's a French filmmaker, in my opinion, has made some of the greatest films of all time. Um, you watch a movie called uh, Cleo from 5 to 7. Vagabond is another movie she did. Um her, she's her gaze and you know she's worked with um, the um, Serge Gainsbourg i mean she's done like everything um, and, and has been a was there at the beginning of the french new wave but i her you know her films to me are so much get inside uh, the inside of a especially this movie called Cleo from 5 to 7 which is about a beautiful model who uh, at the beginning of the movie gets a diagnosis that she may have cancer, and she's going to find out at 7 o'clock. Oh, man. So the movie takes place in real time.
0: It's kind of like kids.
1: Yeah, and it's this whole kind of breaking down of her, who she is, this artifice. She has a lover. You know, she has friends, and and, and this whole – Readdressing about who she is as a woman. If if she has cancer, it's, you know, what, what's going to happen to her. And that to me is just like an incredible film. I mean, somebody like Sophia Coppola in, in Virgin Suicides, which is still my favorite film, I, I just thought what a really, really interesting debut film that was. Um, some of her other films have gone off in a kind of a different direction, but Virgin Suicides, I. I thought that was really interesting and dark and just so much a product of who her father is a filmmaker and who her mother, you know, Eleanor Coppola, who's a documentarian. Um, so, it's you know, another thing is not only to look into films, is you look into the art world. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they are the famous, the Eames chairs, you know, that we always think is – by a man, but, you know, a man and wife actually developed that I together. didn't even know
0: that till recently. I couldn't believe it. So I'm wondering yeah. about the male gaze, what that means, the Eames, this is insane. Yeah, Alfred um,
1: Hitchcock was, you know, all of his films, his wife, Alma Hitchcock, looked on, you know, worked on all of his films. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, uh, you know, a lot of his early films, he was married to Polly Platt and, you know, she only got a production designer credit, but she was heavily involved, you know, with these films and, you know, I, you know, got into a little bit of a scuffle recently when I was, when I had done Terry Gross and she was asking me, you know, about my relationship with Martin Scorsese about, oh, you know, what contributions seem, and I said, it's funny, you would never, why does, why does nobody ever ask, you know, the man about a contributions that the woman makes to, for them. And, you know, yeah. the, people just always assume that the man is, like, helping out the woman's career or something like that. Whereas, like, it's a partnership. Yeah. And men and women always, you know, influence um, their, you know, their art. There are many pictures, you know, where to bring it full circle, Cassavetti's and Jenna Rowlands. You know, although we think of her as like, oh, she's the muse, and he was acting, you know, there's so many pictures of her in the editing room. Yeah. And, but I find that women find it very hard, I know I personally do, as I said in the beginning, to stand up there to take credit for something because you feel like you're gonna be made fun of or you're gonna be mocked or you're an egomaniac. But it it, it I mean, even in you know that there's even been revelations that about Albert Einstein that his wife may have come up she with She came
0: up with E equals M C Square.
1: I swear or, to God, yeah. I was re- I was reading recently and time and again, you know, um Jackson Pollock and Lee Krasner, who is you know, his wife, you know, there's there's his his whole style was developed after he met Lee Krasner and yet she's an artist who has remained in obscurity um and Jackson Pollock is you know we all know who he is so yeah. i think that time and again we have we've seen these relationships where a woman contributes you know greatly to something and just doesn't you know doesn't get the the proper credit for it so the gaze has been shifted you know by men um and now I think it is male-dominated. I really do. I, th- I think it is.
0: It's just so interesting. It's, uh, it's just, it is difficult to – I know that when I'm making something or if I have to give direction to a DP or if I'm uh, pitching a show or whatever it is I'm doing, I feel like it's a palpable feeling. Uh, that I'm I'm uh, overbearing, a mm-hmm. ball buster, uh, bossy. Uh, I, I, and it's just like I have to walk through. I feel like I have to walk through things like uh, in this vigilant manner because mm-hmm. I know what I'm going up against. It's not some false thing in my brain that I just might be scared of because, yeah, it's just such a double standard where it's like a man is powerful. A, you know, He's sexy. He's a badass. He's in control. It's this wonderful thing. But women are bitches and crazy and... And how do we get past that? Like all these weird labels that you
1: just have to do, right? You just have to put your head I think down you and just be brave. you just have to not take it personally. I had an experience when I was directing a film and um, early on when I was doing – <clears throat> a, 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 called Illionorama, And I got all upset. I said, oh, I feel like the, the crew doesn't like me. Yeah, you I
0: do know? that too. I'm <laughs> like, oh, everybody's mad at me. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, and I talked to this – pretty famous director about and he was like what do you care if <laughs> doesn't like you and I said see that's the difference how do you like, not
0: care though
1: he doesn't care it's like they're there to work but they're I'm- there you know you're not to just you do your job and you don't and yes you're always because you're a woman and you're sensitive you're going to feel that way but just cut off expressing it you know that's what I do is that when I was doing my show and I would be working with people and they were resistant to my ideas um, I just stood my ground until – I said, you know, you have to go – I have to say, this is not what I want. And then they, they go – and they're talking. And I go, oh, hold on, hold on. This is not what I want. And so you just have to be very – you have to over overcompensate. I mean when I'm directing, that's why I storyboard everything. And I have long discussions. With the actors, with everybody beforehand, because when you get on the set is when it can be that steamroller, yeah. where everybody rolls over you, and 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 you, you know you feel insignificant, and it goes so. by like that, and it's yeah. just happening. Yeah, so that's what I find is the best thing is just to be really, really, you know, prepared. Where you know, you know, you know your stuff.
0: I feel like a weird thing that I would always do was I always wanted to play drums and I always wanted to direct. Mm -hmm. But instead, for a big portion of my life with dating, I would just date drummers and I would date directors. And then I realized, oh my god, I'm swimming up as close to the thing as possible, and I'm getting it from the. I'm having. I'm sleeping with the person who's doing the thing that I want to do. I admire him for what he does, but I'm not doing it. I'm dating the guy who does it. And that was like a bizarre wake-up call where I went, no, 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 no. I want to play drums. I want to direct. And I've got to just, you know, do it now. You yeah. know what I mean? When, you, when, I, when I had that wake-up call, um, the, the argument that I had with, with my, when my girlfriend and I were talking about the male gaze versus the female gaze and what that would be, the guy was such a jerk. He said – I mean, I think he's a jerk. But he, uh, he was like, there is no male gaze that's just in your mind. There is no male gaze, and why do you have to combat the idea of uh, of a male gaze with a female gaze? Just and uh, and it was just really frustrating him saying that uh, that it didn't exist. The male gaze didn't exist, but that the way to fix it was that women just had to kind of, as you say, take their place. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Go okay. Well, if we're dominated by men, and that's what's put into the culture, and that's how it is, as tough and scary. Uh, and vul- and it to, to put your armor on and just get in there with them mm-hmm. is you have to do it because the only way to like balance it out and have a female gaze versus a male gaze or get everything just you know being just a fluid thing where there is no male female gaze it's just people creating stuff and putting it into the world you have to rise to the occasion and. and just fucking do it, you know. Well, I
1: think that you know one As thing. One thing that I do see women doing that is very troubling is what? that you never, you never see guys bad mouthing uh, other guys, or and and women do that with all other the women time. all the time. Yeah. Why do
0: we do that? I mean, I don't. I, don't. I was looking. I'm at perfect.
1: The, <clears throat> you know, I was looking at the watching the debates and you know the bozos Donald Trump and Ted Cruz you know and they're bozos yeah. and they're like high-fiving each other yeah. and they're not saying they made this agreement this back room agreement where they're not going to say anything bad about each other and then you have somebody like Carla F- F- I don't know her name for neither F- yeah F-
0: and she's doing what
1: and she comes out and like you know, Hillary Clinton, she's a monster and she's this and And she's that. It makes her weak to do that, right? But I'm like, as a woman, it offends me, like, "Mm, how could you say that? Like, Because to me, that's the thing of a male gaze is she's getting ahead by bashing Hillary Clinton.
0: Oh, it's like a cat fight that men want to see so you're playing right into the the male gaze. So nobody,
1: nobody else is bashing Hillary Clinton but she somehow in her mind thinks she's succeeding because she's getting a lot of media attention, but her the only media attention she gets is when she says horrible things about Hillary Clinton. And I feel as if Oof. men are, have, feel that that's a gleeful thing because they can't attack her, so they want to attack her. And you look at Hillary Clinton and you're like, this is this accomplished, amazing woman. But, I
0: mean, is she doing that to get – press and because he knows she's he's working she's playing into the system right but you've got to be stronger and be better than that so you can eventually one day have that be eliminated right
1: i like, i don't like, know i just i just find that it gets yeah. air and you don't see men you know really going at each other in in that in that in, in a way that seems personal
0: how do we stop it what do we do? I'm
1: not sure. I mean, again, I was, I was, you know, I went in. I told this story many times because it's kind of freaks me out that, you know, I was, um, I had gone in to direct a, you know, pitch myself but directing a movie, and I didn't get it, and I ran into the producer, and she said, "Yeah, we didn't. You know, we tried to, look, we tried to find a woman director, but we never found anyone. But we went with, you know, we ended up going with a gay guy, and so." Oh! It was, oh my god! It's kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah. Oh my god! And that's god. what she said.
1: Yeah. And so I was like, I guess I'm the same thing. I'm like we're a fringe. Like so, women are I mean, women and gay men are a fringe One and the same. thing. Like we're the little spice. I, I don't know. It was it was just a, it was a troubling statement to make, yeah. and I feel that there was a time in Hollywood where. When she said that, that confirmed what I actually thought, is that there were a lot of these women's pictures, rom-coms that were coming out. And women weren't directing them, but a lot of gay men were directing them, mm-hmm. which is great. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad everybody gets a job. But a gay man is not a woman. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't. I'm sure I the don't... gay
0: men are annoyed that being always uh, portrayed as, as – uh... Well, it's the just, fun it, best friend, the right. sassy it's, bestie, you know.
1: It's, yeah, it's the it's the, you know it's a stereotype for them too, and so you know I I think that you know that would be one of the number one things is that is that I find it frustrating because I have helped out uh, and mentored a lot of women like I really have you know I when I did my show easy to assemble I had a female director and I had a lot of women around me and I write great parts for women and I have not found it to be reciprocal
0: I'm going to do it tomorrow I promise we gotta yeah. hire women. That's I was talking about that with another girlfriend. Where it's like the thing is, it's it's on women too because a lot yeah. of women don't want to hire other because we have this thing in our head. Well, oh, be too emotional or he gets catty or it's this or that. Whatever the the inner monologue, uh, you know,
1: story is. I think there's a weird feeling that women are going to be more difficult, more and difficult. all the problems I've ever had are with men. Really. Yeah, I think one out of 10 women are difficult. You yeah. know, you're going to get a woman, it's like, oh my God, she's a diva and she's going to want this and she's going to want that. But usually that kind of woman you can see coming a mile away. You can away. see coming
0: a mile away. And also, well, I'm about... Men
1: surprise you. They're like, I don't want to do that. You know, and you're like shooting something and all of a sudden they're, yeah. they're thinking, they're overthinking or they don't want to do that or they don't want to wear the blazer or what you picked for them. Or what or... about the
0: sexual undercurrent of all? Don't you feel like that's always there? And then if it isn't, I'm offended. (laughs) And then I'm like, hey, what's wrong with me? Um, Yes, that's true.
1: That's that's, that's true. It's
0: never – yeah. So uh, the moral of the story is it's on women to hire other women. We got to rise to the occasion, create the female gaze. Sofia Coppola's – oh, God, Gia Coppola's Palo Alto. Did you see that? I have not. The sex scene in that was really interesting because when James Franco and Emma – whatever her name is Mm -hmm. – we ha- were having sex. Mm. The way that sex scene was done was close ups and like shadows, kind of like over an introspective mm-hmm. Emma, whatever her name is, face. Mm-hmm. And it was just really beautifully done. It wasn't, it was just r- a different way to do a sex scene, again, and by a female director. So just throwing that into the mix that that was an interesting thing I remembered. But um, listen. I don't know what else there is to say here. The point of the story is you've written a book. Yes. We want people to read it, Mm -hmm. feel feelings about it, buy it, buy it for their friends, buy it for Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it is that you monsters celebrate out there in the ether. Uh, And go to IleanaDouglas.com for all the details of everything and anything Ileana is up to. Um, You can get the book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you regret doing the show?
1: Oh, my God. It's been amazing. Has it been amazing? Yeah. I
0: feel pretty good about it, too. I
1: think our first 15 minutes was a little rough, but we we can trim that out. (laughs) Like
0: you said, once we
1: got into it. We had to ease into it. This is the first. We needed foreplay. We needed a
0: little foreplay. Oh, now you were going to sexualize the show? Great. Let's end it on a high note. We're coming full circle. Uh, We've learned it's Martin Scorsese or Scorsese. Uh, You've actually said it two different ways the entire show, (laughs) Eliana. that so you were no help oh. with, that, with that problem. And uh, yeah, congratulations on the book. Thank you for being my first guest ever on Love, Alexi. It
1: was exciting. I hope I, uh, can I be your second and third guest?
0: I think uh, after this, no one else is going <laughs> to want to come on the show.
1: No. <laughs> Thank
0: you so much, everybody. I love Thanks. you. Ileana and I don't care what everyone else says about you. We love you. We love you. Bye.
1: Bye. Now leaving
0: Nerdist.com.